Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, here we go. It is Cody and Gold on a Wednesday. We're actually going to start the show heading right out to Arrowhead as the Chiefs are expected to unveil their renovation plans. And we go to Arrowhead and hear from Chiefs owner Clark Hunt. Expressing our deepest sympathy for all the victims and their families. In particular, we are heartbroken for the family of Lisa lopez Galvin, as well as all the children who were wounded in the shooting. I want to express my deep gratitude to the leaders of Kansas City, the first responders who so bravely ran towards the danger that afternoon, as well as the medical professionals who so expertly took care of the victims. Out of this tragedy, we have seen so many heroes, and we are proud to be part of a city which cares for each other, supports each other, and loves each other. After such a tragedy, there is no easy way to get back to your daily routine. There's no smooth transition from talking about something that never should happen to talking about something positive or inspirational. But today, we're glad to be together again to share with you some details about our vision for the future of cheese football and one of the best fan experiences in the National Football League. Today, we are delighted to share information and renderings about our planned renovation of GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. For more than five decades, this stadium has served not only as the home of Chiefs football, but as a cultural landmark for Kansas City and the entire Midwest. For generations of Chiefs fans, this is where they fell in love with the game. But this is also where they created memories between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, grandparents and grandchildren, and made a lot of new friends along the way. In short, Arrowhead is a special place. It is among the most iconic stadiums in professional sports, 
and it has become a bucket list destination for NFL fans around the country, and it has grown to be recognized around the world. For, mo for so many of our fans, this place reminds them of family, and that is certainly the case for me. As you know, my father once called Arrowhead his favorite place on earth. I grew up coming here, cheering on the Chiefs with my parents and siblings, and cultivating memories within these walls. This place means a lot to our family, just as it means a lot to our fans. The first thing we had to consider was the structural integrity of a more than 50-year-old stadium. We always knew that we'd like to stay here, but we had to figure out whether it was structurally possible. Thanks to the visionary design of this stadium in the late 60s and early 70s, and thanks in large part to the continued investment of Jackson County, the state of Missouri, the city of Kansas City, and our family, the stadium has weathered the test of time. We feel confident that with the right enhancements, GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium will continue to be the landmark that it is today. In just a moment, we will share a video that provides an overview of some of the biggest upgrades to the stadium's amenities, functionality, and surrounding footprint. We are planning improvements for every fan on every level. They will address everything from the ease of entry and exit, to the comfort of concourses and bathrooms, to new premium spaces, enhanced video boards, and the pre-game tailgate experience. What's important to note about these changes is that the spirit of Arrowhead will not change. These upgrades will allow us to continue the tradition of providing one of the best game day experiences in all of professional sports and to preserve and enhance the Arrowhead experience for a whole new generation of Chiefs fans. In just a moment, Mark Donovan will have further information about these planned improvements. But for now, please turn your attention to the video boards. All right, while they're airing a video, we will we will speak on a few things, and we'll go back out there as soon as Mark Donovan is addressing. If you're wondering, we'll retweet it from the station account at 610 Sports KC. Uh, the Chief did just put out some renderings, but while they're showing the video, it doesn't make sense for us, obviously, to carry that. And you're listening to Clark Hunt uh, and soon-to-be Mark Donovan addressing the media and those in the room as they are announcing their renovation plans for Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, I just saw, Cody, they sent out some of the renderings for what they – I'll just read how they're describing it. Uh, improvements across all levels inside, new activation zones, tailgate experiences, and much more. One of the renderings I'm seeing is essentially this long walkway or uh, uh, tunnel uh, that would go over the uh, section of the uh, the toll booth, if you will, that we already see, but basically redoing that whole area. You know how before you go in the tunnel and kind of walk? Sure. This would be like a, a much... more improved pedestrian walkway. Yeah, much different look for that. Also, a area in the parking lot, which we would presume would be where Kauffman Stadium Correct. is. Uh, it needs to be torn down first, but that would have a little concert stage among other things, including like a, a football field that kids and family could 
could uh, could play on, and, and those are what some of the renderings appear to us to be. We'll get some of the details. Drew, let me know when that video wraps up, and then we'll go back out to Arrowhead. Uh, obviously, it's a busy day anyway. There's a lot going on. We will get to the news uh, that from Jeremy Fowler that the Chiefs are going to release Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Not a surprise. That's expected. Always kind of was. Uh, and how do we view his time in Kansas City? They're going to save $12 million, though, in cap space by cutting Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And then also, uh, the other news is where it sure seems like Legereus Sneed getting tagged in trade, very, very real at this point, right? They're at least going to let him explore options outside of the current option, which is staying with the Chiefs. Yeah, I I would say, though, Cody, as you know, when there's a player that gets permission to basically talk to other teams for a trade, how often does that player not actually get traded? Like, I, I... I think it's very, very likely now. I just think very few players have ever been tagged and traded under the new system that I, you know, I've got to hold some doubt that it's for sure going to happen, but I understand your feeling towards that. There's no doubt. The second they entertain it or bring up that conversation gold, then yes, we're at least entertaining that possibility. The Chiefs, of course, did this very thing multiple years ago uh, back with uh, D Fort. So this happened in this. I, I, the the number's not great, but they have done that before, where they have decided to trade somebody after tagging. The Chiefs did yeah. that with, 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 did. in recent history. All right, let's go back out to Arrowhead. Clark Hunt, Mark Donovan, talking about the stadium renovations. Thank you. I just want to echo Clark's thoughts and also his thanks for you all being here today. I want to acknowledge a couple members of the audience members of our Jackson County Legislature. Thank you all for being here. Frank White, our County Executive, Mayor Quentin Lucas, thank you for being here. Kathy Nelson from our Sports Commission and Visit KC, Joe Reardon uh, from the Chamber, and then our partners from the Royals, John Sherman, Brooke Sherman, and Sora Torval, thank you for being here today. One other person I do want to acknowledge is someone who's been involved in, I think, every single meeting we've ever had about renovation. That's Kelly Kearns from Populous, Kansas City's own experts in sports architecture. So thank you all for being here. As Clark said, it's a very important day for the organization. It is a very exciting day for our organization to be able to share our vision of what a reimagined Arrowhead Stadium will look like. It's not only important that we do this, given the age of the stadium, but it's important we do this right. And we do it to honor the legacy of Lamar Hunt, and also do it in the spirit that continues this treasure that we have in our town that is a worldwide phenomena and an iconic stadium in sports. This is a significant public-private partnership one that will build on the public-private partnership that we have had for so many years. It, um, it will start with structurally securing this building and making sure that we've repaired it, we're maintaining it, so that we have the ability to renovate and enhance it. What we're really excited today is to talk you through the enhancements and the renovation. And as we do that, you will see that there are numerous sustainability efforts that will make us be able to do this in a way that will have even less impact on our environment. Um, At the end of the day, what we will have is the ability to continue to attract the greatest events in the world and bring them to our town and all benefit from everything that comes with that. As you saw in the video rendering, we're looking at upgrades across all levels of the stadium as well as the grounds 
a Truman Sports Complex. I think that's an important point. The concept that you see here today, we're very excited about. Um, they are not final. This is our vision. This will be the foundation of what we do. We'll learn as we go through the process, as we've done this before. There's always some tweaks and changes as we go here, but this is the basis of what we plan to do. Let me take you through some of the highlights. So first of all, a completely new turf-covered activation zone built over the site of, of the current Kauffman Stadium, designed for game day and event day tailgates, activations, outdoor stage shows, both on game day and not on game day. You see the canopy there that partially covers the location. It's available year-round as an activation point for community events. You notice the VIP entry points that not only lead to the new spaces inside the stadium, but the thing about all of these additions, everything we're adding to this, is it actually alleviates the existing traffic throughout the rest of the building. So every single ad is a net ad in efficiency. It makes everyone's experience that much better. New sideline clubs will be constructed after excavating after, after excavating underneath the entire lower bowl, um, create not only premium seating, but also more activities and more access. And then the new end zone clubs and suites will introduce a new viewing and hospitality experience that we haven't had. I'm just gonna take a second and share a personal anecdote on this. Clark and I and other members of our senior team for the last five years, every single time we go to an away game, we spend some time in the stadiums looking at what they've done, looking how they've done it. What can we learn from that? What can we take from that? What do we not want to do that they've done? And we have the good fortune of playing in Los Angeles twice a year to play the Chargers at SoFi Stadium and in Vegas to play the Raiders, in addition to getting another visit in February. Um, you know, when you're in those stadiums and you're talking about, should we build a new stadium? Should we renovate Arrowhead? It's very easy to get jealous. And the jealousy comes from, could we actually do this? Can we do it in a new building? Can we do it at Arrowhead? One of the things that has me most excited about this entire project is that you sit on that field level of Allegiant Stadium and you look at that amazing end zone suite that they have and you say, wow, too bad we can't do that. We found a way to do that. And not only are we bringing the best of the newest buildings in the NFL, we're putting it inside the iconic Arrowhead Stadium. So as Clark said, we're keeping the spirit of this building and everything that makes it special, but we're bringing the very best of the best into the building. And that has us excited about what the next chapter will be. That concept itself will add 10 suites on each end zone. It will also add another 1,000-person club behind each end zone. So the number of people who will be impacted by this is significant. In addition to all the new things we're talking about, remember that when you do a renovation of this size, everything gets renovated. So the existing suites, the existing clubs, the fixtures, the lighting, AV, televisions, everything gets better and the experience improves. From a big standpoint, when you look at that shot on the screen, you see the boards. Right now, our iconic boards are in the bottom 25% of the league in terms of size of video. When you think about the fan experience, we need to increase that, improve that. We need to be able to compete at a better point. So our plan right now is to increase the east board by four times 
and the West Board by three times. That will bring us about average in the National Football League, but one of the keys for us was keeping that iconic shape. I think it's one of the things that we need to celebrate as part of the history of this great building. In addition to video boards, new LED boards, um, and completely upgraded Wi-Fi DAS systems, as well as an audio system. So in addition to the visual experience, the audio experience will improve for our fans. I mentioned sustainability earlier. Um, it's one of the things that has come up and from a priority standpoint for us as we look into a project of this size, the ability to add energy efficient lighting fixtures, lower water consumption plumbing fixtures, added landscape bioswale retention areas, as well as better storm runoff. And we're actually looking at a way where with the potential demolition of the K that we can actually use all that concrete, mill it in a way that we actually use it as fill on site as opposed to having to haul it off and dump it and create more of an issue somewhere else. New concession stands, retail stands, um, throughout the building, not only in total number increases, but also in efficiency. Many of you have experienced our grab-and-go stands. We put them on every single level of the stadium. A grab-and-go stand has become extremely efficient. We track this every single game, and right now we've increased throughput, so the number of people who can be serviced during that time frame by 30 to 40%. So it makes the experience better, it makes it better for our fans, it makes it better for our staff as well. A couple operational things to cover off with you all. Um, new tunnels, so we're one of, if not the only major sports venue in the States right now that only has one main tunnel. This is a significant add for us. The, the addition of this tunnel not only gives us the ability to put a brand new visiting team locker room on that side, create a lot more efficiency on game day, but also creates efficiency for us on all those special events that we bring in. I mean, you can imagine in the summer when you're trying to book as many shows as you possibly can, the setup, tear down, move in, move out is a significant issue. The ability to have two tunnels makes us twice as efficient in that, so that will give us the ability to bring even more major events um, to this great building. Let's go to the upper deck. We talked a lot about having an impact on every single fan and every single level of our stadium. What we're going to do is we're actually going to add upper concourse canopies on the two sidelines. So that will provide cover for our upper deck fans. These are the areas that are gathering areas today. Now we're adding cover that will have not only uh, infrared heat, but also those enormous fans that will create some airflow in the summer months. So it's just a better experience for everybody on that level, and it gives the opportunity to be able to spend more time in those areas. In addition to um, the upper level uh, cover, we're actually going to finally solve a problem that we've had on the upper deck since the earliest design. And that is if anyone has done this, in order to get from one side to the other, you've got to go up, down, up, down, around, up, down, up, down, around. We'll actually close that off and have a 360-degree concourse level on the upper deck. It makes it a lot more efficient, makes the experience a lot better. And I know we keep hitting on this point, but the populist folks and the operations people get really excited about the fact that when you do that, you add more points of sale. You add more restrooms. That, again, alleviates the crowds on the existing restaurants. So if you think about our end zones and our corners, those are massive seating areas. Now they have a new place to go. It spreads out that crowd. So that's a significant advantage for us. 
In addition, from an operational standpoint, this renovation will create 40,000 square feet of space that we'll use for our commissary, as well as efficiency and operations. So think about the ability to service this stadium from the services and the premiums that we provide today. The building was not designed to actually service that. So it's a real challenge for us. This gives us the ability to accomplish that and, and create a much better experience from that standpoint. When we move outside, you saw this was quick in the video. You see the new activation zone, zone. you see new parking orientation. On the bottom side there to the right of that screen, you see a new parking deck. So imagine on the E-lot, so the lot that you parked in today, there will be a parking deck over top of that. So those spaces exist. Now a deck on top of that with the existing same number of spaces on top. What we'll do in the bottom deck is we'll have a covered area for our players, coaches, VIPs, visiting team buses, etc. We'll also have the ability to put those same people in E-lot on that deck, which they'll be able to tailgate and do everything they normally do, and their entry exit is a lot easier. They'll walk directly into the building. We're excited about that parking lot. We'll also add parking to the other side, obviously, when we move out uh, Kauffman Stadium. So the net net is about 3,000 additional parking spaces, 1,300 in the new E-lot deck, and then 1,700 on the other side. Hitting the same point again creates more efficiency, makes it a lot better experience for everybody involved. Some really exciting things that we've added to this. As you get into this project, you start thinking about all the things you could do. So a number of years ago, we invested in Lot O, which is a major gravel lot um, to the west of the parking lot, west of uh, the stadium. What we're going to do that is we're going to pave a lot more of that. It's one of our more popular lots now. We're going to add power. One of the things that we've listened to our fans about in that area, we're going to add permanent restrooms. So it's a better experience for them there. And we're in discussions about adding ports to have RVs be able to come in and plug in in Lotto. Uh, something that we used to do in the past, we looked forward to potentially bringing that back. Another thing that we're going to add with this, when you get these opportunities, um, you're able to fix a problem in a better way. So rideshare has become a lot more popular option for all of us. Uh, we see it on game day. We see it significantly on our special events and concerts. And while it's a relatively good experience coming in, it's a real challenge going out. So now we have the ability to use some space and create a designated and designed rideshare area. So that'll be part of the additions. Another thing we did from a safety standpoint, you see multiple spots on there and you saw the video of our bridge coming from lot L, which will be expanded uh, significantly, create a lot more efficiency and safety. We're also gonna add some pedestrian bridges across the ring road so that our fans who are parking in lot O or other outside lots can actually come across without having to cross traffic. We think it's not only a safety issue, but also creates a lot more efficiency as well. I think when you look at the expanded entry plazas, when you think about what we're doing uh, outside the entrance, it gives us a lot more space as you come into the building, as you get closer to the building. We have become a lot more efficient getting people into the building. Uh, our team has worked really well from a technology standpoint with our scanners and with ticket scanning to be able to get people in safely and more quickly. It creates a lot more opportunity with more space there. Just some simple numbers that may not sound big that are significant from an operational standpoint. 
not the sexy stuff, but 170 new toilet fixtures will be added and over 120 new food and beverage points of sale. It's important, trust me. Um, I mentioned the upgrades of the Wi-Fi. I just want to end with this and then we'll move to questions. Um, this has been a long process and I want to recognize the members of our team, the members of the community that we've worked with, members of our fan base, our season ticket members we've worked with to get to this point. Um, there are many steps to go. The first and most important is April 2nd. We need to pass that bridge in order to continue to move on this project. We are extremely excited about the opportunity to bring the best of the best into the most iconic venue in sports. Thank you very much. So again, you're listening to Mark Donovan and Chiefs owner Clark Hunt discussing their vision, their plans for a renovated Arrowhead Stadium, and they're about to open up a Q&A portion, which we maybe will get to some of the more detailed information. Still haven't heard anything about the cost or anything like that. We all know it requires a, a yes vote on April 2nd for this to happen as well. Let's go back out to Arrowhead. We have microphones floating in the back. We'll start Neil. Jake, can you just kneel? Gentlemen, no roof. That was something that people had talked about, even a rolling roof. Why did it make the decision to, to go away from that? Uh, well, as you know, that was something that uh, we studied very carefully uh, 20 years ago was part uh, of that planned renovation. Um, when it uh, did not pass and we weren't able to do it, uh, the design really went away from from the roof. Um, uh, we were uh, envisioning that roof specifically in conjunction uh, with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, certainly, I'd like to think that Kansas City, you know, has the opportunity to bring a Super Bowl. But I also know uh, that uh, our football team likes playing in the elements. They like playing on a grass field. Um, we certainly think it's a competitive advantage for us. What uh, what's the total cost of the project, and how much is uh, ownership investing in the project itself? Uh, so uh, the renovation is estimated to cost eight hundred million, and our family will be investing three hundred of that. And then, um, are there any renovations to the practice facility that will be part of this project? Uh, <clears throat> Those are not contemplated uh, at this time and are not part of the numbers uh, that I just shared with you. Um, we, we are going to evaluate uh, our long-term needs there and uh, uh, may come back uh, at a later time with some thoughts on that. Uh, hey, either one of you could address this. Um, We've heard populists say that the, the concrete at the Royal Stadium is degrading, and that's part of the reason why it would be so expensive to renovate there and a new stadium makes sense. What's the difference with the concrete here that allows you guys to renovate, and what's a larger stadium compared to that one? Yeah, so I, I know that question has been asked a lot. There's a very simple answer. Believe it or not, bad batch. So one team got a good batch of concrete and one team didn't. And you've heard about concrete cancer and all those things. It's real. Um, and you know, one of the things we looked at in our perspective, and Clark mentioned this, when you embark on can we renovate this building, one of the first things you do is core samples. You know, the cement and the rebar was put in 1970, not 72 when it opened. So you've got to make sure that that's right. And there's some real issues with their concrete. We know that because we've seen them both studies. And then, Clark, I just wonder, you've addressed it before, but for your dad, what was so special about this place, and, and why is it important to you and the rest of the family that you, 
you'll keep it around at least another 25 years. Yeah. Well, I think what my dad loved best about this stadium was the connection that the team had with our fan base. And uh, if he was alive today, I think his answer would, would be the same, that you know he, he loves uh, this building because of what it means uh, to our fans. And um, we still believe that it's one of the best stadiums in the National Football League, but we also know that it's a bucket list destination, as I mentioned, for fans across the NFL, uh, as well as for our fans here, here in Kansas City. So uh, he knows how much it me meant to our fans and how much it means to our fans today, and, and that's why, in large part, we want to renovate. Could you speak to a timetable and how the World Cup may play into this? Yeah, so... Um, we have to do the modifications to the stadium, obviously, in time for 26. So we started that now. It'll go through the next few summers. Uh, this project that we're talking about won't kick in until after that. So at the earliest, it'll be 27 we start doing work. Uh, ideally, you know, 27, 28, 29, we'll work in the off-seasons. We'll keep playing games here. Um, but we hope to be ready and open by 30, um, but potentially 31 if we need to. Eric West on the next page, KC. Uh, with the new parking renovation, how will that affect tailgating? Because that's one of the great experiences about coming to Arrowhead. And number two, will parking increase the price of cost, the cost of parking increase? Yeah, so I'll answer the, both of those questions. Number one, tailgating will get better. Um, what we're looking at is, again, get the opportunity to start over. So we looked at exactly how should the cars be facing what's easiest from an in-and-out standpoint, and what creates the most space for tailgating. And we looked at a lot of different options. One of the things that was first and foremost on our list of potential is we must have tailgating. We must continue to enhance tailgating. It's one of the things we're known for, so you're going to see a better opportunity. When you look at that covered canopy space on the new activation zone, you're going to see some very interesting ways to tailgate in that space. So it's trying to take advantage of that space to better tailgating. On parking prices, um, I know it's a popular topic. If you look at the National Football League and you look at average parking prices, we're, we're relatively average. Um, so we'll continue to, I can't tell you today what the parking is going to be in 2031. Um, but we've been very conscious of what we charge for pricing. And one of the things we've done and will continue to do, and I would bet we're going to do this in 31, is you're going to pay the lowest possible price for parking if you buy in advance and you use the system because that makes it more efficient for every single one of our fans. So it's less about the price of the ticket. It's more about how do we get these fans in here as efficiently as possible so everyone has a good experience. Guys, i got a couple questions here. Number one, uh, if you got figured out who's going to pay for the demolition of Kauffman Stadium, if you guys get a, a yes vote, is that part of your money or how that works? And I'll have another one. Yeah, so it's part of the LOI that we've already uh, put in. Uh, we've agreed with the Royals that the taxpayers in the county will not have any uh, responsibility for that. And in terms of the, you guys have the LOI, but you don't have a lease that people have seen yet, can we expect to see a lease that's agreed on and signed before Election Day? Yeah, so one of the things I think is um, an advantage for us from a lease standpoint, from a CBA standpoint, is that we're doing a renovation of an existing project. We, we have a very good lease. We'll extend that lease. We had a really successful and uh, beneficial CBA. We'll extend that CBA. Um, so that's our plan, and we're moving very, very quickly on both of those, um, and we fully expect to get them done in the near future. 
A couple of questions. What will the seating capacity be when it's completed? <clears throat> so it, it will continue to be above 70,000. We don't have a final count, but one of the things that I'm personally very sensitive to from a design standpoint uh, is making sure that Arrowhead remains one of the loudest stadiums in the National Football League. And a big part of that is uh, having the ability to host over 70,000 fans and keep them as close as possible uh, to the field. I'll uh, just add to that because I was smiling to my staff that we started sitting down planning meetings and we talked about you know the average stadium, what size should it be, and there are a lot of reasons why you'd want to go down to 60 if you look at the last four or five new stadiums are all between 62 and 68 and we started looking at numbers like that and he stepped in and he goes never under 70. <laughs> so so it'll, it will it'll be more than 70. Trust me. Uh, there had been anticipation that you would be developing the Kaufman site as an entertainment district and other spin-off stuff to encourage increase the revenues around here now it's going to be a 1700 space parking lot what are your plans for all these other amenities that had been originally considered for the Kaufman site? Yeah, I think um, it's important to recognize that originally considered by whom. Um, so our plan was we looked at that. We actually uh, did a pretty good analysis on real estate development, what we could do, entertainment districts, et cetera. And there's some reality that hits you pretty quickly. Um, right now in this market, this is not a location that is worthy of developing. Um, so as, as harsh as that sounds, it's just the reality from a business standpoint. Secondly, when you look at making a decision like that, you got to look at your competition. And the reality is we're going to have some unbelievable competition downtown when the Royals do what they're going to do. So why would we do something that competes with that and try to compete with that? And then I would say this, and most importantly, everything that we've done in this project has been focused on how do we enhance the fans' experience? How do we make Arrowhead better? And when you start with that focus, you start to lose the, the need to do more. So what we've done in everything you saw in that video and what we'll continue to do is how do we make the experience at Arrowhead better than anywhere else, whether you're going to a Taylor Swift show, a Morgan Wallen show, or a Chiefs game. My question is for Clark, depending on the money that you guys could or may not get from the state of Missouri, does this project at all change? Uh, <clears throat> no, it, it wouldn't. We would not be willing to sign a lease for another 25 years without the financing uh, to uh, properly uh, renovate and reimagine the stadium. Um, so uh, the, the financing puzzle is very important to us and making sure we have enough funds to, to do everything that uh, we've outlined today with Mark's caveat that certainly as we go through the design phase, some things will change. Do you think your family would be willing to invest more if you guys don't get money from the state? <clears throat> well, one, one thing that I didn't mention uh, in regards to the question on the, on the uh, cost of the project and our family's commitment is like we did in 2006, uh, we would cover any cost overruns uh, on the project. Um, so those things are not, not directly uh, related, but the, uh, the taxpayer's uh, expense, the state's expense would be capped and uh, anything that surprises us, which frequently happens on construction projects, would be on our family. 
Yeah, uh, following up on that a little bit, um, could you speak as to the breakdown of um, funds from the upcoming sales tax extension and the state that would cover the, the $500 million um, gap that we're talking about in the project cost provided? Yeah, yeah I'll handle that one. So um, I think it's important that we go back to the slide that had uh, maintain and repair. So the, tax, the three cents sales tax is designed to do exactly what it's done for the last um, 10 or so, 20 years. Um, which is, I should say from 2006, which is it is going to pay for repair and maintenance of the building. So to give you some perspective, last year this organization put $23 million into this building. So the taxes are going to cover that, any overflow that goes into operations and things like that. So that's the first piece of this puzzle. The, the five, uh, the $800 million project uh, that we have and the 300 that we're going to put in, that becomes additional sources. So in the past, we got support from the state, the city, and other government entities, and that's what we would look to do going forward. Yeah, and um, there, there's the perception certainly out of Jackson County that the chiefs are interested in working on the state funding piece of this with the current governor, Mike Parson, in office. Um, can you speak as to that? We've had Is great conversations with Governor Parsons. We'll continue those conversations given the time frame. It's who we're going to be dealing with. Um, so we look forward to continuing those conversations. All right, so that was Mark Donovan and Clark Hunt out at Arrowhead announcing their plans, their vision for a potential renovation out at Arrowhead. Of course, this all... Uh, relies on the three-eighths cent sales tax extension passing on April 2nd. A lot to address, not only with some of the renderings, but some of the answers and the cost and potentially what happens uh, if, if some of the financial commitments are not made as well. We're just getting started. This is Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. Back here on Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. Get a different start to the show today, obviously, the first 35 minutes or so, that press conference out at Arrowhead with Clark Hunt and Mark Donovan announcing their vision for what the next iteration of Arrowhead Stadium could look like with some conceptual renderings. If uh, if you follow us on 610 Sports KC or the Chiefs Twitter account, you obviously have seen the maybe the video. You can check it out in some of the graphics out there. A lot to get into with that, and that's where we're going to start. And then we'll, we'll get to on-the-field stuff, uh, which is MVS reportedly going to be released to save $12 million. Also, Legereus Sneed looks like uh, both parties involved there, Sneed and the Chiefs, understand that uh, a trade is is a viable path if need be, and there's not a long-term deal. Uh, minutes ago, Lance Leipold just got a new extension at Kansas, so there's a lot going on here on a Wednesday. It's Cody and Gold. We appreciate you guys, as always, and you can interact with us on the t J Southland Toast Service text line, 913-586-7610. Let's just start with, what did you make of the renderings and what their, as they said, their vision is, and we can get into the cost and some of the other stuff in a second. For me, a bit underwhelmed. Um, this is not meant to be a knock on the entire project or that there aren't parts of it that function, but look, I'll be honest. I feel like I'm getting more bang for my buck, for starters, from the money. If I'm giving the same money to the Royals and the Chiefs, I feel like I'm getting more for my dollar out of giving it to the Royals right, right now because so much of this project is about making it functional, which kind of goes to the point of what's been the problem, which is it's not a functional stadium because it's outdated. Things that include parking issues or like, hey, we're going to give you three pedestrian bridges or we're going to do this. Some of the things are nice. I like the canopy in the upper deck with the heated stuff. I think that's nice. I understand you're going to do VIP areas and club stuff. Cool. I understand. 
But the rest of it just feels like you're basically just making the building functional and giving me one turf field with a small stage on it. I don't feel like I'm getting very much other than just putting the stadium together long enough to keep it alive, which, to be honest, doesn't make for all that sexy of a rendering. Hey, look, it's a bigger video board. I'm like, cool. If you love Arrowhead, you're probably just like, it's like slightly improved Arrowhead experience. It doesn't feel like they're adding anything new. So this was why from the beginning, uh, for the last two years, I think at least, we've when we've discussed the possibility of what does the future of the German sports complex look like for both the Royals and for the Chiefs, and why the renovation didn't make a whole lot of sense to me compared to building a brand new building. We all know that ship has sailed. If they're staying in Jackson County and this thing passes on April 2nd, it's going to be this renovation. The only way their Chiefs are building a new stadium is if everything fell apart uh, and they have to actually move across the state line or something. And obviously that's not the plan that they are envisioning and hoping for at this point in time. And the renovation doesn't allow you to do a retractable roof or anything like that. I wasn't anticipating that. I'm I'm not bummed by that. We knew that going into today. Um, A new stadium, though, would have allowed you to do that. Today was all about the renovation plan. And, yeah, when you compare it on one side, Cody, to the Royals' brand-new stadium downtown, a brand-new venue that's going to hold 33,000 versus renovating a 50-plus-year-old stadium with the Chiefs uh, that holds 70,000, I think you were always probably going to view the new bright, shiny building in different light than renovating uh, an old building, right? I think that was understood. The renovation going into it depends on what your expectation, I think, was. Like, we always know when any stadium, whether it's the Chiefs or any other franchise, renovates, they're automatically always going to renovate the suites. They're going to renovate the premium areas. That's just of course, the, the, the nature of the business. I'm forgetting you know, of that. Um, I, I do think there's some cool aspects to it. You know, um, I, whether or not these all look like that by 2030, who knows? Because that was one thing that Mark Donovan and Clark Hunt both mentioned. They have to wait till after the World Cup to start this. So it could be 2030 or 2031. 2028 to start the project. Hopefully could, done by 2030 or 31. Right. Yeah. And that's assuming, again, that it passes um, on April 2nd. The, the two things that kind of stood out to me, um, one was the new video boards by while keeping, you know, they talk about keeping the shape or whatever. Okay. Maybe that's a big deal to people. I don't know, but I, I want a new video boards and that was a huge thing. That. And I think that is, that is key. You go to any new stadium, whether it was us at Allegiant, whether I was at Lambeau and that's an old stadium that they've renovated. Their video boards are just massive and way better than what chiefs fans have at Arrowhead. That's neat. And anybody that's set up in the 300 level knows uh, not only are there currently not any areas for you to uh, get any, cold relief or relief from the heat on the flip side, right, with these canopy areas, that is actually, I think, a really nice addition, not to mention being able to walk all the way around. Their key part of the project, I actually think, other than the VIP and the club, end zone club and suites, which is going to be for, you know, a certain sector of the fan base. A very small sector of the um, fan base. Is what they're doing in the parking lot and trying to enhance that. And that requires, of course, the Royals moving out of Kauffman Stadium. And that's part of the whole renovation plan is that they're calling it an activation zone, but basically an entertainment space on top of the, the tailgating that you already have and adding to that to continue to piggyback off of what is the, you know, the best tailgating experience in the NFL. So the only, the only way I think that you would have been blown away by the renovation is if it was obviously more than $800 million to where suddenly in the actual bowl portion, you would see something different. The part that you're going to see from in your seat that's different is new, new ribbon boards and new, uh, new video boards. Everything else is going to be either if you're in the premium levels or if you're in, you know, the upper level concourse, Around the parking lot. It's I mean, like, they're actually covering all areas of the entire complex. I guess, other than a roof, which would have not been feasible based off of 
everything they have said. I, I don't know if there was something that what I guess what did you want to see that that would have blown you away? Look, I always knew that there was going to be a portion of this, but for me, like if if I'm paying for the money, right? Part of what I'm paying for in getting the new Royal Stadium downtown and giving this money is creating an experience that is different than my experience. They're not creating that. They're giving me a pedestrian bridge. They're claiming parking will be slightly easier, and they're allowing me to walk around the thing. So what you would think is where Kaufman no longer is, give me that experience. But they told on themselves a little bit. They said it straight up isn't worth developing over here. You're not going to get restaurants or hotels or amenities we're going to put a field here. There'll occasionally be a house band playing on this little stage, and that's it. Like, I'll be that's it. Because if you're looking for a new experience at the stadium, you're not going to get it. They're claiming they're just going to make your experience that you already like about Arrowhead like 5% better. You love tailgating? Cool. We might give you a place to plug in your RV, and we're going to give you a few, like, we're going to give you a better parking and a few more permanent bathrooms. Hey, you like, you know, like the things you like about Arrowhead, they're trying to make it slightly better. It's just, I don't feel like I'm getting. I'm honestly, I'm not sure I'm getting anything new well, what you're in my experience is... about the stadium. And they said this, hold on, there's one more thing they said okay. that I think told on themselves a little bit and then I totally understand, is that when they were talking about, like, the money, they said that's what the sales tax has always been for. It's just to fix this dump. That's kind of what they said, right? It's just to fix this place. That's what this money was designed for in the first place. Wasn't meant to give you big, fun, flashy things. It's just to make sure this it stays together. A big, a big chunk of the money of the sales tax every year goes to uh, keeping up the yeah. facilities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the public money. And so when you're going to have a big uh, renovation or upgrade, it is going to require ownership commitment. We'll get to the dollar amount in a second. As ownership said, they're willing to commit $300 million of the $800 million project. So there's a $500 million gap that has to be made up by the state of Missouri slash Jackson County sure. uh, taxpayers or anybody that buys anything in Jackson County, I should say, via the, the sales tax. No, I was just going to you, you were you were obviously talking about a lot of things. I, so what you described and you're like talking about the experience. That was why we talked about a brand new stadium versus a renovation at one point, because what you're describing yeah. is basically probably what requires a brand new stadium. Which is why you and I think both wanted that. You know, and so yeah. with the renovation, there's obviously limitations within that. You know, I I think where I'll push back a little bit on the, hey, we're just making things better. You were saying like as a negative, like we're just making your current experience better. Anytime we, you and I have brought up new stadium, what's one of the things other than the financial element to this thing? What's one of the things that everybody says? Arrowhead is just fine. I love Arrowhead the way it is. We don't need to do anything new. Why are they changing anything? So then on the flip side, I don't think you can be critical of saying, well, they're only making the current experience better. What have people said? They like the experience and they're just making it better. Most people have said, keep what makes Arrowhead great and just expand on that. I it would probably argue, depends on what you're looking for. I, I sure. would argue that is what they're doing with the renovation, they're expanding on what people view what makes Arrowhead great. There are elements to the renovation that, yeah, I'm not naive enough. I r- recognize that uh, there's elements to this that are only going to be for certain individuals that can afford what they already afford, right? The sideline club stuff, 95% of fans, that doesn't mean anything. But they're, you know, the the outdoor space built over the current side of Kaufman, the upper concourse connection, the canopy, uh, the parking upgrades, the new concession stands, all that kind of stuff, like that does matter for every single fan. There are limitate. We're talking about a renovation, not a brand new stadium. I feel like some of the things that that you might be bringing up are what would be required in a brand new facility, not just a renovation. Sure. And again, you and I had stated from the beginning, this was part of my issue with their plan versus the Royals plan is it just kind of felt like that was probably the best case. And I, look, I don't know. You can believe the bad batch concrete. Yeah, stuff how about or, that? How about that? that? We've heard that before. Um, um 
but whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't need to get into. Look, I'm not a structural engineer. It seems like some structural engineers have said the concrete's fine, and some said it's trash. And honestly, I truthfully believe it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's not as bad as the Royals say it is, and it's not as good as the Chiefs say their concrete is. It's probably somewhere in the middle, and that's fine. I, that was the whole point. And look, it's definitely improved. I'm not trying to say that this isn't better than the current setup. It obviously is. But there's always going to be a little bit of the hang-up of, one, the Royals are committing more money than the Chiefs are. Yep. The Chiefs are pretty much just saying, hey, we're just trying to improve the current existing setup, not giving you a new experience. So then it feels like, oh, okay. And then, look, I'll be honest, Clark made it very clear today, and I don't blame him for doing so. It's like, if this doesn't pass, I'm not just saying I'll front this $800 million to make it look like this. Yeah, the so, financial setup that they, they envision has to be in place for them to uh, continue to commit to Jackson County and to continue to continue to commit to this particular renovation. But I think we already kind of knew that going in. I think yeah. it's been pretty simple. If if on April 2nd it is voted down and it's a no vote on the three eight cent sales tax extension, then everything's back on the table for both the Royals and the Chiefs in terms of either staying in the region but moving across the state line, moving out of counties. the region, like all that kind of stuff comes into play. Um, people can get upset when I say that and say, oh, you're just threatening and scaring people. Well, there's reality. The I've, it's reality. I've, I've, we've all seen it in other cities. So fortunately, we have a state line that I don't think the teams wouldn't leave the region. I think we'd be talking about Kansas coming into play at some point if this thing didn't pass. But I don't think it should surprise anybody to hear Clark Hunt say, yeah, I'm not just coming up with the other $500 million. <laughs> um, we no, you and I have discussed that in a perfect world, all these projects are funded by ownership. That's just not, unfortunately... The, the, the setup that we have allowed to happen over the last 30 years in sports. Let's simplify this to a, a simple thing. We're going to keep talking about this, obviously, even after this next break. But yeah. if I just made you break it down, this is what I want your answer for on the other side of the break. If I wanted, give me a letter grade for what the Royals are doing and what the Chiefs are doing. And tell me where you would grade those current projects based on your satisfaction. I think that that's a good way to start. That'll give us some sense of where we are. We'll do that. And we'll take a couple of your phone calls as well. What did you guys make of the renovation plan announcement by the Chiefs and what it means for April 2nd and what it means for the future of the Truman Sports Complex? It's Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. 11 o'clock hour, Cody and Gold, a busy day in Kansas City. A lot to get busier. to, and it is getting busier. Uh, I want to discuss it in more detail later, but just to pass along a little bit more news as we get back to the stadium in a second. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, I guess, trial that you were hoping for maybe to have drawn out or something when it came to Chiefsaholic doesn't look like there's going to be a trial, Cody, uh, based off numerous reports, including uh, from one down in Oklahoma, a plea deal has been made, uh, it looks like. Uh, not a plea deal, I'm sorry. He pled guilty today, so I'm assuming there is yeah, some sort of deal. Yeah, that usually is a plea deal. Uh, from uh, Chief Sahalik, Babudar, guilty plea related to 11 bank robberies in seven states, laundering proceeds through area casinos. He faces up to 50 years in prison. He must pay $532,000 in restitution, and he has to forfeit that autograph painting of Patrick Mahomes. Remember the one he was taking yeah. a photo outside Mahomes' charity event a couple years ago? So that's an update on Chief Saholic. So he's pled guilty to charges related to those 11 bank robberies. Could face up to 50 years in prison. Remember, and again, don't worry, this show absolutely will discuss this in detail during this show. It was just a few months ago his lawyer was saying this. This is not Chief Saholic's last drive. And he believes, and we believe, that when the final whistle blows, 
and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community, in the eyes of his fans, and in the eyes of the Chiefs' kingdom. Okay. Not, not, not the redemption story I think his lawyer was hoping for. By the way, the second that that's your lawyer, you knew you were screwed. Look at that guy. I mean, just, he just looked sweaty, and it wasn't even hot. <laughs> so I, we'll, we'll see what ultimately when sentencing happens and everything, but he, he's pled guilty and uh, faces a very stiff punishment of up to 50 years behind bars. That is Chief Saholic in relation to all those bank robberies um, and um, the painting being forfeited back over. So that was one thing he did not sell uh, after winning it in some sort of, I think it was actually the, fifth, the Mahomes Gala couple years ago that he actually won that piece and he's taken a photo that was way before anybody knew anything about his past or what he was doing at the time and things like that all right back to the stadium stuff though we'll, we'll take your texts and calls on this 913-586-7610 the chiefs in the 10 o'clock hour held that press conference out at arrowhead announcing their vision uh an 800 million dollar renovation project the hunt family has committed 300 million dollars the rest will be publicly financed if everything passes on april 2nd that is uh the not only the jackson county 3a cent sales tax extension but money that they have already maybe sounds like agreed to with the governor's office or for the state of missouri because they, they don't want to lose another and, football team uh, yeah and that's the leverage that they have and i think that's pretty clear with the dollar amount um if you're asking why are the royals committing so much more than the chiefs i, I think one one's building a brand new stadium the other is renovating a current stadium let's just be honest one has leverage i know they're tied together on the ballot measure but the Chiefs are coming off back-to-back championships. They, they are the face of the league. They have way more goodwill built up in the community than the they Royals do. do. I mean, that's just a fact. We, we've kind of known that. And I don't know if we're going to get an announcement in three years that Clark Hunt's putting in another 80 or $100 million for renovations to the practice facility, which is not included in this. He was asked, uh, do you have any plans to, to do that? Because we'll get to this NFLPA report card here in about a half hour that came out today. And once again, Clark Hunt in the... Uh, Chiefs organization uh, graded out terribly second to last um, from from players and a lot of it had to do with facility improvements that haven't happened call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Some at Arrowhead, which are obviously on the way, and some 
uh, at the practice facility, which is not part of this renovation. Uh, but what do you guys make of, of the renovations? You, you said you were underwhelmed with, with some of yeah, the renderings. What, what letter that, grade? That's what yeah. I want to know. If, yeah, if so, I'm just saying the project in general, you give them a grade of what for their plan versus costs. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a renovation, so knowing that going in, probably a B minus, I would say, is where I would be at from the actual renovation. I don't think you could say it's an A, like, oh, my gosh, they're doing everything you, you wanted in a renovation. No. Um, there are limitations within that, so keeping that in mind and where the cost is at, $800 million, I, I'd say a B minus overall on some of the improvements. There's a few things I'm actually really excited for. There's somewhere I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's really going to impact that many people going out to, to Arrowhead. Um, and we'll see if any changes happen by 2030, which is might might be where this thing is done if it passes on April 2nd. So what was what was the grade you would give then? You sounded like a C or C D minus. Yeah, 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 you sound like a I'm, C I'm or D. like I'm look. I feel like it's too harsh to give him a D plus. I'm not saying that I'm not considering that grade. Well, soon to be professor, As a professor. Yeah. And look, I've never given out a D. I think the worst grade I've ever given to a student is a C. So like, I was a relatively easy grader, maybe based on that. But C minus feels like the number. I think when you find out the renovation is going to cost eight hundred million and they're not even putting in half, that kind of hurts. And then I just think so much of it is infrastructure, which is never going to be an exciting renovation project. Like when when Kaufman went through this, when the three eight cent sales tax went around, and and Kaufman did the same thing, right? Some of the money went to just improving the building and making sure it kept standing, and some of it went to changing the way the stadium was. It's not that Kaufman changed as a stadium. But they added new experience. I felt like they added more to the experience of going to Kaufman that didn't exist versus what Arrowhead is doing. A big key of what Arrowhead is adding is the few new experiences will be for very few, as we've talked about. And I'm not I'm not hating on them for adding sideline suites. I'm just that's not surprising to me. But when yeah. but like the outdoor experience doesn't feel like it's enough of an experience. It's like just a field with a stage. Like, is there is there more to it that I don't see? Is there going to be more elements to it that can be? You know, changing my experience of the game. That's why I'm, I'm probably like a C minus. I'll be honest. It's not. I guess I just asked. And seen, and that's why I gave it a B minus. I mean, it's not like it didn't, didn't have every. I would just ask still what what was the thing you thought it was missing though? Other than yeah, other than like what we said, which the is roof. Like a new stadium, <laughs> which we knew things. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it, for me, I'd have been better if just the project came in less and they did some of the things yeah. that don't matter to me. I don't need three pedestrian bridges. You should just be able to figure out the parking with the number of parking spaces you have. Like, I, you know, yeah, I think like, the pedestrian bridge is a safety thing after, unfortunately, having and, some incidents over the last couple of sure. years. I mean, I think that's just a safety improvement. Yeah. And I would think that part of it, what I would have liked to see is more businesses, like a chance to go to a bar that is in that same area, go to a restaurant that is in that same yeah. area. I'm not looking for new concession options in the stadium. I'm looking for more experiences like that of Titletown. You went to Titletown. Yeah, it was great. I told you, Lambo. There's Lambeau, more things to do. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah, that's fair. And that, that was something we were excited about when after going to Green Bay. It was like what they had done there was simply incredible with an old stadium. They also added new video boards there, and it's and now that the Chiefs renovation includes that. My guess is, I, I don't know what the exact cost is. If this project's $800 million, if you told me they were they were adding an entertainment you know, Chiefs Kingdom District thing where Kaufman is instead, my guess is all of a sudden that price tag goes up to $1.5 billion or something. And that clearly is a dollar amount that the ownership wasn't willing to. Especially because they said it's a, an area know, not worth developing in that c- way. Commit to. You know, they $300 million is is the dollar amount that they're willing to put forward. And we can talk for days about publicly financed stuff. And I think going into the renovations, I don't think ever it was in the cards that the Hunt family was ever going to say, you know what, $800 million renovation, 
we're just gonna we're just gonna pay seven hundred million of it. I don't think that was ever happening. There's a reason why they've been pushing for the three eighth cent sales tax extension. Drew, you're an outsider, like just looking at it, and you haven't been to hey, Arrowhead no, yet, he's right? An outsider, he just he's, yeah. he's, he's well, an mean, outsider. Just like, <laughs> he's, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've been here for six months, I, and I'm like, I yes, think he's no, got I, a, I, I think he's got a different fresh opinion. Perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a fresh perspective. What what do you think it looks like if you're just like, oh, okay? Like, uh, I I would give it a. I'd say B or a B minus. I, th- I do think one of the things that I not a, not that I was expecting it, but a little bit disappointed about is the the part about the bar or restaurant somewhere around the area where people can go. And I understand the the presence of tailgating and the the excitement for that. But I think also having a spot that people can go to and hang out and whether and people tailgate, I'm sure, and just watch the game. But having a spot in the area where people can just be around the environment. Yeah. And go inside, you know, and hang on and watch the game from a bar or a restaurant, I think would be exciting. Um, I, not, not to say I'm disappointed by it, but I would say that based on what they did, I would say it's a B, B minus. I think that they could have made it a little bit better, but I wouldn't say it's it's terrible because they're doing some stuff to help, like with the parking in particular. I think one of the consequences of having a lot of uh, sentimental attachment to a facility is that you're limiting yourself to a renovation. And then when you're doing a renovation, you obviously have limitations within said renovation sure. versus some of the things that you might be discussing are, are definitely plausible in a brand new two and a half billion dollar stadium. But that's not what their current plan is. Their plan is to stay in Jackson County and to renovate. And a lot of that has to do with the guy that owns the team and, 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 when and his, his, love, his, for his love for Aaron and, I, you know, I saw someone on the text line saying, you guys don't appreciate Arrowhead enough. Look, I, I've spoken on this quite a few times. Cody has as well. I think it's about I, the people, I, not the building. The Arrowhead was the first stadium I ever went to as a sports fan. The reason why I fell in love with football was my first time I ever got to go to Arrowhead Stadium. I was, fortunate, I was fortunate enough that uh, I got to go to, to games a lot as a kid. My parents had season tickets, sat up in, I think, Section 302 was a section up in the 300 level. It was my first experience. It was incredible. Arrowhead's as, as good as it gets from an atmosphere. Um, but having, especially this year, I've been fortunate in the last couple of years to go to other stadiums. I've gone to Baltimore Stadium, M&T Bank. I've been to Lambeau. I've been to, we just were at Allegiant. We were at it, State Farm Stadium. That's not meant yeah. to brag. My point is, I have seen what some of these newer facilities offer and where Arrowhead lacks. And so some of the things that you would like to see, there's only so much they can add to a 50 soon to be, by the time this lease is up, a 75-plus-year-old stadium. I think the changes that they are making in the renovations, if we factor in what the limitations are, actually are pretty damn good there you, you, you can't view it as of oh this is what all the other new stadiums have why can't they just do that well that's because they're a new stadium yeah. so i actually think the new video boards are awesome that was a big thing for me i i think the idea that for those that are sitting up in the 300 level a place that i, I, I like first it. sat when i was going to the chiefs games the fact that you don't have to go down the the turnst or the escalator or whatever to go to the other side because it's cut off the fact that's going to be 360 the fact that you'll go under a canopy if it's raining and it's it's cold for a brief moment if you need to warm up or if it's extremely hot it's september the first weekend of the season and it's 93 degrees and you just need to cool off a little bit that there's actually a canopy area in the upper level something that didn't exist i I think the fact that if you're out there tailgating some people they want to tailgate and get there at 5 a.m and they want to tailgate all the way up to 11 30 there's other people that wouldn't mind not bringing all the stuff to tailgate and just go to the area where the artificial turf canopy is going to be and there's going to be basically a pregame concert i i I think those are renovations if you're complaining about the wow factor all the way across the You're board, never well, then you it. need the $2.5 billion stadium that a lot of you have said you don't want.
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Gold, particularly because you the first thing you said was, you know, when you're dealing with renovations, you're 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 capped to a certain amount of things that you actually can do. And again, I haven't been to Arrowhead, so I haven't been able to appreciate it, I guess, for what it it currently is. But based on what you guys have talked about and what people in the text line have said, they've made good. They've done good things in terms of renovating the stadium and wanting to keep it Arrowhead. I, I would I, I think I, I just would have liked to see. You're getting rid of Kaufman. What are you turning that area into to try to attract people to come to Arrowhead? I understand that, it, you know, it's, it's a fan zone. That's what they're doing. I, I, I get yeah. that it's, you know, a landmark and it's one of those things. But having a, a title town area. I mean, I where, guess the argument is where. Go ahead, sir. No, 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 you're good. I think that just where people can appreciate the stadium itself and the history of the Chiefs who are from Georgia or from Arizona who come to visit or just want to swing by, it, it makes it more appealing to. Not just come and go to a game, but come and just see the stadium itself, I think, more than what you currently are able to now. Good times. You know what? Stadium stuff always makes it interesting, at least on this end. And again, I'm not gold. I, I understand your point. But part of my grading system is the fact that, like, this was the wrong plan from the start. I'll be honest with Arrowhead. And this is not like gold. You had said things very passionately about the stadium. And I think that's the point. My stance is has been this on Arrowhead for a little while. So if you don't think I respect the building enough, you're probably right. Because I don't think it's the stadium that makes Arrowhead great. I think it is the fans. That's really what it boils down to for me. I think it is the people of Kansas City that makes that stadium great. And whether it was a different building or not, it would still be great. It's experience, the the atmosphere. I think it would still be great even if it hadn't been that. Look, it's not, this is not like, what a, how dare you? And now you've, you've duped me this entire time. This is roughly what I had expected. The um, roughly what I expected the renovation plans to look like. I don't think this is way off board of what it is. Just felt like the really the fan areas wish where I wish I had gotten more. That's it. And they're telling you, hey, look, the money suggests that that's not something. Yeah, that's worth I just in. think they, you know, to their own fault, they let there's limitations with yeah. le- renovating and only on a 25 year lease. I mean, if we're talking on the business side of it, if if you're attached so much that you only believe in a renovation and the lease is only 25 years and whoever's in charge at that point in time, another family member or whatever in 25 years or something like that, um, at that point, are they renovating a 75-year-old building? Probably not. So then is it a new stadium on the same site, but where Kaufman is now, well, then they and can't where they improve that area, right? You, you know, is that is that part of the the logic? I don't know. Is it you know, twenty five years feels a long time? At that point in time, my guess is it'll be a new stadium either there or somewhere else in the area. Like the the thought of the the renovation, I guess I went into it knowing that there are limitations with the renovation. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, we'll talk more about this throughout the show. Obviously, the, the story of the day, but it's been a busy day. Uh, let's stick with the Chiefs for a second here because Jeremy Fowler. Uh, VSPN reported before we got on the air today that the Chiefs will release Marquez Valdez-Scantling to save $12 million. That also, though, should not be surprising. We've, everybody's been talking about that all season long. They're going to save $12 money. million. There'll be $2 million of dead cap, so his, he will still have a, a financial commitment attached to the team salary cap next year. Um, but how do we how we view him, I think, with what he's done in the postseason, way different than a player that you bring up in 15 years that was just like, oh, that guy sucked. And yet, I, that's not how I think people should view him. He came up with some big-time moments in the postseason. It's the right decision to cut him. Absolutely. Nobody should dispute that. Um, but give the man credit. His final moment in the Chiefs uniform was placing that flag at midfield 
out in Las Vegas after catching a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl and having some big-time catches in the two postseasons he contributed to rings for. So that's how I'll remember it. Yeah, it was frustrating. He didn't do what they thought he was going to be able to do in the regular season. But he shouldn't be a player that we talk about in 20 years like, oh, he sucked. That would not be fair, I, I don't think, considering what he accomplished in the postseason. It wouldn't be telling the whole story. He was not a good regular season wide receiver. I, I don't, you know. I mean, he had like a 1,000 yards between two years. That's a Demarcus Robinson level of production. And he made a whole lot more money than that. So, yeah, that wouldn't be telling the whole story. But why would I choose to remember MBS as this, like, failed free agent signing when he literally showed up here, was here for two seasons, won two Super Bowls, and performed at his best at the most important moments? What's funny is I thought initially when you were taking that stance, and then you, and then I agree with you, right, that we should just remember MBS as the guy who showed up when they needed him to show up for a team that won two Super Bowls during the time he was on the team. I kind of thought we'd be in the minority. Not based on social media. MVS the hero. <laughs> Thanks for being here, MVS. Why? It's happy good times, dude. They just won the Super Bowl. This isn't, this is like an even more extreme level than the two that I've told you. Technically, you can't just bury as didn't work under any circumstances. The McColl trade, the Kadarius Tony trade, and the Orlando Brown Jr. trade. The Orlando Brown Jr. trade, you paid a lot of money, gave him a first round pick. The guy was barely here, but in the time he was here, they won a Super Bowl, so it feels like it's worth it. MVS, all you did was overpay him for regular season performance, but got your value in the postseason for that money, and they won two Super Bowls. As far as I'm concerned, 10 out of 10 on this deal. <laughs> I, you know, like, I can't be bothered to be mad that he dropped that ball against Philly now. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if 10 out of 10 or whatever. All I know is I think a, a fair grouping to put him into, you brought up before the show, Sammy Watkins. I think you could add... Uh, any, but you know, Damian Williams, these guys that, you know, in regular season, not names you're going to really talk about in Chiefs no. history, but because of what they did in the postseason, we will talk about Damian Williams forever. Maybe should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl win. Sammy Watkins, disappointment in the regular season, massive run helping them to get to their first Super Bowl. MVS uh, was with so this, great in that, that and, Bengals and, game and, last and year. MVS, they desperately needed a wide it was, receiver. It was MVS and Marcus Kemp and Sky Moore basically out on the field in the AFC title game a year ago. This year, a couple catches to seal the victory, and he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl when the offense had nothing going for a little while. Yeah, he was wide open, but it doesn't matter. Like, I, I think that's why we'll view him differently than we would have if the regular season was it and they would have lost the opening round game to the Dolphins. Much different feel around how we're talking about MVS today getting caught. People would be saying, oh, good riddance, yada. Whereas today it's like, yeah, I get it. Fairly right, well. Right, right mood, but Congrats, wish, wish him the best of luck in the future. Help this organization uh, win, win a couple championships. It's just a, it's an amical breakup situation. You don't just be happy that you got what you got out of MVS existed. Look, there was a time in which this would have ended very different. You and I talked about this when it comes to like, uh, Bill Belichick's legacy versus uh, Andy Reid's. Had this team come up short in the postseason, we would be, when he got cut, people would be throwing the little mini parade over him leaving. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, good riddance for all those passes you dropped and cost us this. And that's so people, like, let's say Tony gets cut in a week. People would be like, good riddance because he never helped the team do something important. MVS had his moments of struggle for this team in the regular season in each of the last two years. I would argue last year you paid him for exactly what he had been in his NFL career, so you shouldn't have been all that bothered by it. This year he was obviously much worse than that and had some key moments in which he couldn't come through for this team in what seemed like moments they really needed it. They won the Super Bowl. They didn't need it all that bad until the postseason when he played his best. Like, that's really what it comes down to for him is I, 
I can forgive. I It's not like I forget that he had some of those games where you're like, MVS. And, and I can still pop off jokes about him not having a vertical or not knowing how to jump. Okay, haha. But I'm still happy that it worked out. I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, look, somebody's going to stop. Somebody's going to sign him next year. I mean, that's not even a question. I'll be curious to see what that what that deal looks like, but he was going to make too much money for the production that you were getting. It's the right move for the Chiefs. Again, Jeremy Fowler reporting, as expected, the Chiefs will cut, uh, I almost said Sammy Watkins, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We he got about cut some, a while ago. Uh, yeah, what's Sammy Watkins up to these days? Um, was he on a roster last year? He was on Baltimore at one point recently. I don't know if that was this year. That was, that was like a couple years ago. Anyway, uh, I'll let you look that one up if you want. But Kind of. $2 million in dead cap is what will still be on the books for MVS, and then uh, they save $12 million. So think about the wide receiver room entering free agency so we mvs is out of the picture we think tony gets cut we're not sure everybody's thinking he's going to get cut but maybe not so R- rasheed rice Kadarius tony right now sky Moore, justin watson really those are the four someone will text in and say don't forget about cornell Powell and justin ross whatever um so those are the four that they have um and we'll see what happens with free agency and potentially the draft last time sammy Watkins was in the league was 2022 okay he played for two teams, the Packers and the Ravens. So you do vaguely remember which teams he played for. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not that anybody was curious what Sammy Watkins was up to. I, The wide receiver situation is going to look a lot different next year. And I'll be honest, it's going to be hard for it to be worse. It just is. It's going to be hard for them to be less talented than they were at wide receiver this year. Every other wide receiver outside of Rasheed Rice had like – 350 or less yards. It was not a good unit. Justin Watson will still be him. They'll draft a guy. They'll sign a free agent. And that $11 million based on, you would just think the free agency pool and the availability in the draft will go a lot further than if you had just given MVS 11 million Hell, You can bring him back. I wouldn't, but you could bring him back for less than 11 million. <laughs> yeah. All right. Coming up next, Chiefs Red half hour. We'll get into the NFL PA, the players report card. On the Chiefs and on ownership, I uh, wasn't good, to say the least, for a second straight year. What does that mean? What has Clark Hunt already said about that next year on Cody and Gold? Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold. Every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. All right, back here on Cody and Gold. Coming up in 30 minutes, we'll get right back into the stadium conversation, although admittedly this conversation around some of the player grades that came out today actually probably lean into facilities as well, no doubt. But if you're sure. wanting a little update on what the Chiefs announced in their 10 o'clock press conference today, we'll get back to that at noon. An $800 million renovation to Arrowhead is their plan they put forward with ownership committing 300 of that. Uh, what does the renovations include? Your thoughts on that coming up in the noon hour. But uh, now the last two years, the NFLPA has asked players to fill out a survey about the team from a facility, from a treatment, from a food, from a locker room perspective, to name some of them. And once again, the, the Chiefs did not grade out very well, to say the least. I'll just run through a couple of these and we can. They we were can, second to last. Yeah, yeah, they were second to last overall. Um, the headline is their owner got an F minus. Got the worst grade in the NFL. Now, there were some other... The head coach, Andy Reid, got an A-plus. Shocker. No no surprise. Uh, Some of the other areas, treatment of families, D-plus, food, C-minus, nutrition, an F, locker room, an F, the training room, a D, weight room, a C-plus, team travel, a D. So, last year, I remember talking about this, and the the one thing about the locker room, the big thing was, well, the players didn't like that they had, uh, like, benches instead of 
like reclining seats uh-huh. or something, right? That was a like most people do. That, that was yes. that was a big deal, and we're like, okay, that seems like an easy fix, right? And they did fix the chair situation. It sounds like, but not the rest of it. But not the rest of it, which uh, is why the grading was low. I I'm always interested in these because any workplace you're in, right? Sometimes you get a survey. We get surveys here once a year. Yep, and we and, sure do. And 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 you fill them out accordingly. And you fill them out. You give your opinion. Um, and sometimes you see some change happen. Sometimes you don't. And I think when it comes to this particular survey, and I said it last year, there are some complaints that are valid and some that are, that I think are okay. Going to be hard to convince the average fan to be like, Oh, poor, poor NFL player on this. Some things are, are absolutely ridiculous. Like I saw, you know, even with the chargers, there's caviar problems. I understand. Yeah. But it's a terrible look when your owners get an F minus. Now, there was one question that led to that. It's not as if they said, basically, do you like Clark Hunt? Is he a jerk? That was not that was not the yeah. survey, okay? The survey was basically, does, he invest, does in he invest in some of the things you want him to invest in? And, and the answer, obviously, was not good for him. And that's why he got an F minus on that. It's basically, you know, amenities and facilities um, and food. Is essentially what contributes to that grade and whether or not you believe the owner is investing in those areas, not whether or not you like Clark Hunt or think, he, think he's a bad person or something. No, but it is problematic that J.C. Treader, who's the head of the Players Association, he answered questions on this today about why it was that Clark Hunt ranked dead last amongst all yeah. owners. And the simple message is man's not keeping his promises. Like, that's what it is. He's not keeping his promises to the players. He had promised last year to renovate their locker rooms. And then said, you guys went too deep in the playoffs. No time. Couldn't get to the problems you wanted. Gave him some new chairs or whatever, but didn't actually fix the thing he had promised to them that he would fix. I, look, this is not stopping them from being successful. So I know immediately fans are going to be like, who cares? Everything's fine. Yes. But J.J. Watt, who is a well-respected former NFL player, said there are only two things he ever saw. Players actually take seriously. Not the top 100 vote that you're going to see on NFL Network. Two things that he actually saw the players take seriously and how they voted. One was team captains, in which they took that very serious, in which they were making those decisions. And the other one was this Players Association survey, because it is about your workplace. And based on that, the Chiefs rated is a D-plus of the treatment of families, C-minus in food, F in nutrition, F in locker room, F in training staff, D in training room. C-plus in weight room, C-plus in strength coaches, D in travel, and F-minus in owner. They wouldn't even have graduated alternative high school with that grade card. (laughs) It's not nothing, especially when we're talking about the attractiveness of them, to me specifically, free agents. At some point, even Patrick Mahomes and all the winning will get you some free agents, but would you like some more? Treat Treat your players well. They're telling you they're treating them like garbage. Yeah. That's not I, nothing. I think context for just like what, you know, when you say like, man, they're treating families D plus, like it sounds, it sounds horrific. Like, oh, what are yeah, they yeah. doing to these? What are they doing to their families? Let me, let me give you context, please yes. uh, on it. It's like they, pr- do, do they provide a family room at the stadium? They provide daycare across the street on game day. A number of players want daycare to be offered on site, which would make it more convenient for their families. That's why the Chiefs got a D plus. So, you know, like when sure. I mentioned. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And, you know, cafeteria. Versus C- the Chargers who charge for daycare. Yeah, like cafeteria, they got a C-. minus. They were 25th in food taste, 27th in food freshness. Okay. That seems like an easy fix. Like, okay, what the food not have enough salt on it? What, what do you want? But here's like, the problem. This is the second consecutive year. The Uncrustables year. They were like still garbage. frozen? Like, what was the problem? Are they going to not make any adjustments based on these reports? That's one thing that stands out yeah. to me. They were 29th last year and 31st this year. They got worse. Are they planning on improving any of these problems? Yeah. I, this is just one of those, man, where I think you are going to have a tough time for most fans. Like the free, I'll, I'll, I'll totally disagree with you on the free agency point. I, I just will. I'm not saying that players, everybody wants to be in a workplace. I don't care what you do, that uh, you feel comfortable. You feel like you're given the, the, the tools, you're respected. That goes without saying, and that absolutely, if, if that is some of the aspect to this, has to be fixed and is unacceptable. Um, some of the other things I, I, I disagree with, the impact you're saying like, Oh, free agents aren't going to come here. I, I do think uh, maybe JJ Watt uh, didn't have, I don't know if that was the full quote you were giving me from him. My guess is also one of the biggest things is do they have a chance to win a championship? Are they around a winning too. culture? Do they have the best head coach in football? My guess is that's pretty damn high on the list. Oh, I'm um, not saying I, I'm it's not also saying not high for, list. I'm saying both things might matter to yeah, a different player. I still think the facility stuff comes down to what the building is. And that's why the renovations are probably needed on top of it. I want to be clear. People, when we talked renovations earlier today and we mentioned the renderings and all the things they're doing for fans, I'm guessing in that there are upgrades into the locker room as well from that. I don't think the renderings, they're not going to brag to the taxpayer that, Oh, you're going to pay for nice new locker rooms to, uh, for our players. I'm I'm guessing that's not part of the pitch for them to uh, Jackson County taxpayers. So I I don't think they're going to do everything around the stadium and then just leave the locker rooms the way they've been after spending 800 million on a renovation. I do think it's kind of a lame excuse to say you went too far. It's just a locker room. You had March, April, May, June. Oh, that part's crazy. I'm just saying renovate a room. My guess is though, they don't probably want to do the renovation until this project is actually happening. Now the, Practice facility is unacceptable. That thing is, compared to everybody else's crap, the, the practice facility mm-hmm. the Chiefs have. And Clark Hunt was asked about that and acknowledged that that might be part of a separate plan that they need to, to do. I, I guess the, the locker room grading was 74% said they feel like the locker room is big enough. So there's a chunk that didn't. That was only good for 24th. 63% of the players feel like they have enough. So that was 30th. Not enough players feel like they have enough room. So they have a small locker room. Well, they can't fix that, th- by I mean, the way, that, based on the stadium. There's they, just they, enough room. They have a small locker room. I mean, I just, it, it's gonna, that right there is going to be one of those, man, where I, I wonder if you are a young player coming into the league, if you're Rashi Rice or anybody else, and he was at SMU, so maybe not the best example. Let me, let me pick a player that played at Oklahoma or Alabama or something. Sure. Their facilities are better oh, yeah. in college. They just are. The locker rooms, uh, the weight all it is, and it sounds crazy because you're like, these are NFL teams, but it just is. So if you're used to the Power 5 weight, facility, weight room and the Power 5 locker room, yeah, the NFL locker room might actually be a downgrade in a renovated or an old stadium. Not if you're at, uh, you know, brand new Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, it might not be a downgrade. But that is going back to you and I's discussion earlier about the stadium stuff. There are limitations when you have a 50, 60 year old stadium within it. So I think the. The owner the one, owner is, the one is the worst. Important. Is the worst one. the The training staff one I still understand. We talked about that last year. For the most part, the players seem to like him. Like the training the team's staff. head trainers given the lowest over second lowest overall grade in the league. Is he asking these only, guys to play hurt or something? Only forty three percent of players feel like they receive enough one on one treatment. That was dead last uh, in the league. Yeah. Okay. Well, that might just be that they don't have enough people on the training staff. 
But again, that all comes and I again, I I'm not trying to tell you gold that this is the only thing that's going to keep players from being here. But lots of reasons factor in your decision making before when you're choosing a new team. Look, the first and foremost, by the way, before even winning a championship gold, the first thing a player thinks about in choosing their new free agency home is money. Yeah. Straight up cash. Are you going to pay me the most is number one with a bullet on the list of where you choose your free agency list. But if you're starting to split hairs and at some point, some free agents do how a team and facility treat you might start factoring in. Honestly, it's just kind of more embarrassing maybe than even what you're saying or what I'm saying and like factoring in the free agency. It's just kind of embarrassing for the second consecutive year to rank dead last amongst how you take care of teams while you are active. Yeah, I think that's a championship level organization on the field. I think that's fair. I mean, that the public perception of it is is not good whatsoever. Um, public perception, I think, matters more when your team is seven and ten and crappy. Um, public perception coming off a backpack championship. I'll be honest. I don't know if it matters as much. Maybe I just don't like this if they were the Panthers. Like, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there are that they're a perfect organization. They do nothing wrong. That's not my point. It's just that I don't know if the NFL PA player survey matters as much to a team that just won back to back championships. Oddly enough, what is weird, I think, it was Jeff Schwartz, who just kind of did the quick uh, termination on this. Seven of the last 10 Super Bowl winning owners graded a D or worse. How about that? There's <laughs> like, a whole... like, how about that? Isn't that weird? Well, Seven but, of I mean, last fairness, ten. Three of the last ten Super Bowl uh-huh. winners are the Chiefs. Uh-huh. So, okay, still, and though. Then, no, yeah, I was just I saying, mean, like, we're eliminating, we're, we're downsizing it a little bit. Well, Nick Corte had pointed out the fact that this is, I mean, this maybe this is a small correlation, but on the ranking system, you are more likely to have received a better grade if you are a person who has bought your team in the last 15 years and up if you bought it in the last five then you're a person who inherited the team. Seven of the ten worst rated out of all of these are from ownership groups who inherited their football team versus bought it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means that, like, they just they don't spend the resources into the stadium the same way someone who just bought it. It's like, ooh, it's my big shiny toy, and I'm going to put all my money into it. I but like the it's we it's just weird it's kind of embarrassing to rank this poorly in this that's if all. If you were curious on the owner portion of this, not the entire team grade, but the owner who graded well, NFL owner grade A plus were the Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, um, Vikings owner A plus, Eagles, Broncos, Jags, Ravens, Packers, and A Bills, Niners, Falcons, and A minus. This goes back to the there's a balance of. Players should feel treated, but I can tell you how fan bases feel. I can promise you Buffalo Bills fans aren't saying, you know what, man, I'm I'm glad our owners. Make it harder. Toughen up. I'm glad our owners in A, you know, the Chiefs are winning those Super Bowls, but their owner graded out as an F minus. Normally this is when we'd like joke about hanging the banner. Like, hang the banner, Bills. Nicest place to work. But come on, you can't rank last. It's, it's improved it, it, last yeah, you, you place. Can't, okay, you, be middle of the pack. I'm damn. with you there. You can't be last. I wonder if there's some like psychological not not again that you should be last, but just the, you know the oh the facility's so nice you're just so comfortable it's so cush and you're just <laughs> like everything's just handed to you and all that versus maybe we don't have the best facility like there's we a balance cruel and it makes them tougher <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a balance I gotta be honest man I think you could eat steak and lobster and still win a Super Bowl <laughs> I don't think if you fed the Chiefs players better they wouldn't have gone out and been hungry but, enough to win but the that's title what I would love year, to know, you know? If they're saying like they didn't like the food taste like I've never ate in the Chiefs locker room obviously uh, or a cafeteria obviously nope, I um but I would like 
is this a, like, are these, like, are we, would you walk in and say, man, this food tastes like bleep? Or is it like, I don't even know. What do you guys complain about? I'm okay. sorry, it's not Capital I, Grill. Yeah, the, I, I don't know. I don't. I have no. I don't know I the answer. It to might that. be like the amount of meals per day that they get. So the Bengals rank dead last in nutrition, food of facilities, treatment of facilities. Uh, it's, it's been consistent, but I think one of the problems is isn't necessarily the food. It's that they don't even get three meals a day provided oh, to them. Yeah. It's the lack of food provided that's the problem. And I don't know if they get provided with nutritionists I, either. There's some along that line as well. Call me a bad person. I, I don't care, but maybe in, in I, I don't You're know. saying pay I, for your third meal. I just I, all I'm saying <laughs> is like if I was in D.C. or if I was in Carolina, I think I would actually be upset about this survey. I really don't give a damn deep down. Like I'm so, like most people listening are Chiefs fans. I don't think the players are poorly treated. I really don't. And so the survey when they're winning games like this, I just really don't give a damn. Yeah. I don't. It's going to like I don't think like, oh, my gosh. What a, this organization treats everybody like bleep. I, I don't think fans give a damn about that. I don't. They're winning games. I don't think anybody cares deep down. Haven't we long determined that? Fans care about winning, and that's about it. Okay, I mean, so they care more about that than anything else. So like, again, I'll use the Bills example. Oh yeah. Their owner ranked an A. Who cares? Who cares? What has that got them? Nothing. Who cares? Yeah, I... I Regarding the food again, real quick. So uh, just looking at some of the other grades posted, particularly as it pertains to diet. Food. The Bengals rank 30th overall in food taste. They rank 31st overall in food freshness. Uh, They only provide three meals a day on Wednesdays. They're one of only two teams that do not provide three meals a day throughout the week. So I think it it actually is more than just meals provided. It's taste, freshness. Um, They are the only team, I think, in the league that does not provide – a full-time dietitian. Uh, so it's about on number a full-time of meals. basis. So the food itself is great. Well, no, no, it's not. Well, no, they're they're thirtieth in food taste. So it's food, in food so it's, the food's not good. <laughs> also, there's no full-time dietitian. Uh, so I think there's a lot that actually goes into the food grade, if you will. The food one is the one I care the least about. I'll be honest. Yes, that I is agree. like that is just the lowest of my priority concerns. But I just I think the simple thing boils down to is how can you be championship level at so many things you do and for the second consecutive year just get buried in this report? Like just, you know, work on it. As a long bit. as they're that's winning, maybe that's the I don't even know if that's a, that's an excuse. Well, again, if, speak- the, if the Chiefs had the number one overall pick in the draft this year and they had the graded out as the worst owner, I would be way more upset. Yeah. You know who's yeah. really gonna have a complaint about food here soon? Our guy, Chiefs. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> make the transition. You wanna talk about a real complaint about the food they're getting? Chiefsaholic, soon enough, will be the player who will be, or the person, sorry, who will be experiencing that. If you missed it, because there's been a lot going on stadium-wise, I guess player-grade-wise, and everything else in between today, our guy, Xavier Babadar, Chiefsaholic, as you better know him, has pled guilty in court today mm-hmm. after facing, like, I don't know, 30 counts. It wasn't that many, but it was a lot. 11 bank robberies in seven states. And is facing up to 50 years in prison and will be required to pay $532,000 in restitution and forfeit his autograph painting of Patrick Mahomes. The times are hard. Do you think that's I thought, the... I thought our guy was... I thought Jesus was going to fight this till the end. He's just going to... He's going to roll over? After, after all this, he's just going to go to jail? Well, maybe he knew he was facing up to 50 years in prison and maybe through this deal he maybe only serves like 20. Maybe that was... Maybe that was part of the uh, part of the issue, and why he chose to, to plead guilty. You think that he just? I love that painting's over. the last thing they threw in there. They're like, "That's 
Well, what did he pay for? Didn't he pay like hundred thousand dollars for that thing, no, that charity auction? Was it that much? I don't know if it was that much. I I, I think overall, um, that was at the fifteen of my homies gala back in what twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, something like that. Yeah, and I'm guessing it probably went for like fifty grand at least. I don't know, but I don't know if it was as much to as who. By the way, the charity. My guess is he goes back to the charity, right? And then what? I mean, then think about how weird it is to. To, to well, worth even it. more. Worth even more. Is it? Oh, you think it's got more yeah. intrinsic yeah. value? What do they uh, call uh, pro- it? Provenance. Provenance. Provenance, yeah. Provenance. Yeah, that has a little more. There's Provenance, the ba- if you want to make it sound fancy. Provenance. Uh, has a little more backstory history around the painting. Yeah. Do you want it more now? Like, if you had the money, I gold, would. I would. You want it more now knowing that not only was it a cool item before. It was part of, it was part of someone that was one of the more famous, unfortunate bank robbery, alleged bank robberies. Although he's pled guilty now. I guess it's not alleged anymore, right? So. Yeah. Okay. I was just, uh, I was just curious how you felt about the, felt about the painting. I'm, surp- I'm surprised he didn't go to court. That lawyer is making it sound like he was going to fight this to the end. Dude, he's he was going to be cut- proven innocent. Cutting his losses, basically, like. Would you rather risk spending 50 years behind bars or be like 20 and know that you don't have any chance of getting 50? When it sure seems like the evidence against this individual, Chief Saholic, was pretty uh, substantial. As in, he might actually get worst case scenario punishment. So you plead. No, so that's why I think he pled guilty. So he was facing up to 50 years with the by pleading guilty. Maybe he has a chance to get less. I don't know. Someone a lot smarter than me can figure out the legal system. Are we still wanting to try to get the jailhouse interview from him once he's sentenced? Absolutely. Because once he's sentenced... Well, that's when the Netflix no, stopped. You might as well just tell the rest of the story. Cody will resubscribe to Netflix when that happens. I'm, I'm definitely quitting. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the, this whole week has been about how corporations are trying to screw me. Three things this week. One, Wendy's is trying to upcharge me based on going to lunch Surge at pricing. lunchtime. Netflix is trying to raise their price again, even though they raised it to me in November. And you see this guy at Kellogg's? He's trying to tell me to eat cereal Sorry. for dinner so I can save money. This man doesn't even want me to eat a real dinner. He wants me eating, you know, it was corn the, the CEO of Ke- Kellogg's, yeah, the CEO of Kellogg's or whatever suggested cereal for dinner. Well, of course, because he owns, mm-hmm. you know. Smart. It's a whole ad campaign. They're like, oh, yeah. Can't afford Uber pricing at Wendy's? Who cares? Eat, eat some corn pops. Eat some fruit. Fill- By the way, cereal is the least filling food on the planet. I'm just going to say it. There's no way that would work as a dinner. It, it, anytime you eat cereal for breakfast, and I do occasionally because my kids have cereal and all that stuff, I'm hungry like 13 seconds later. I'd be better <laughs> off not eating. I'm more hungry having eaten after cereal than, than the other way around. That's no good for dinner. Now people just continue to tell me about the um, less than legal ways that yeah, I can we're aware cable. there are IPTV oh, things out there and illegal ways to watch television. You don't think that? Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant about that. But everything we're trying to get we're, screwed we're just the ranting board. about everything today. It, there's a lot. There's a lot of you know controversial things happening in the in the last uh, two and a half hours or so. We'll get back into the stadium stuff here in about uh, ten minutes or so with the renovation plans. And I, I think we'll uh, trying to look at how much that that thing cost. That painting. The painting? Did you find it? I saw there was a photo at one point of him holding the photo the outside the Mahomes Gala talking about Chief Zalik. Yeah, I see the photo, and he looks he looks very thrilled to have owned the painting. But no, I didn't see uh, I didn't see what it cost. I just don't know what you do. Dude, he's wearing like a tuxedo jacket and everything. It was a fa- it was a gala. It was a fancy event. Yeah, you know what? The second gala is in the title. You know it's fancy. You ever been to a gala? I've been to one. I think one. One gala. It was mm-hmm. nice. Do you own a tux or do you rent? Do you have no, to I don't own a tux. I, I wear a suit. You just go suit. Okay. 
It was uh, last time I wore it was t- black tie optional. The last guy time I, I wore tux was uh, was at a obviously at a wedding. I had to rent one. So man, are people still doing tuxes at weddings? Some people just depends on the couple. I'm a big fan of the shift to the suit for the wedding. Yeah, even if I gotta buy it, because then at least I've got like something I own for two hundred dollars versus. You know, the stuff sometimes I just got to return just not your, as much. Sometimes it's not your call, though, right? If you're a groomsman in a wedding or whatever, sometimes it's not your call. It's decided the groomsmen are no, going tux or whatever. I'm just saying, if you're getting married, just do suits. Everybody's a little bit different, man. I'm not sure. My uh, my twin sister's getting married in November. I'm not sure what they're... What the, I might be wearing a tux for that. I don't know. It's not my decision. How much better do you think the prison food is than the Chase facility is really the question based on their ranking, you know? I would guess significantly better. Could you imagine if they, just real quick, uh, tying these two things together? Now, based on the survey, Cody, I think the Chief's locker room is smaller than the jail cell of yeah. uh, Chiefsaholic. <laughs> That's what the survey's telling us. What, yeah. How do you, would you be interested in a local holding facility or prison ranking of them doing like an NFLPA thing? How they feel about the food in the Aren't facility? there grades for prisons? Isn't that like a thing that the state know. does? Is it? Do they pull the prisoners? I was going to say, those are also, who is those are also prisoners. It's a little bit it's a little bit different. Those are also people who have committed crimes, serving time, mm-hmm. and completely funded. You want to talk about publicly funded and taxpayers supporting. It's a whole other conversation. We don't need to go down that road. No, I don't think we need people to People upset about that. stadiums. We don't need to go into publicly funding that. Someone says <laughs> Leavenworth rated A++ on prisons today. <laughs> Uh, what a day. A lot of news today. We haven't even talked about Legereus need. Can we get into that soon? Yeah, so we'll get to what's trending, and we'll get back into the stadium renovation, the $800 million renovation project at Arrowhead, and what the Chiefs are likely to do with Legereus need next. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending news at an Arrowhead today. Their plan, their vision for what a renovated Arrowhead stadium could look like. It comes with an $800 million price tag, $300 million of which would, would come from Clark Hunt in the Hunt family. Plus, uh, he did commit to cost overruns. Obviously, we know this all relies on an April 2nd vote in question one passing, and, and that is still going to uh, be something they will campaign for over the next month. Plus, we're going to get more detail on the renovation, what it was our initial impression of that, is it enough, and how it ties into the NFLPA grade that came out today, which graded, based on players, Clark Hunt, an F-minus owner in the NFL. Now, that is in relation to investment or not investing in certain facilities. So we'll get into that right after What's Trending. Next up on What's Trending, if you missed it earlier, multiple reports now suggesting the Chiefs are going to cut... Marquez Valtez Scantling, which Marquez, Marquez. Sorry, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. sorry. He'll, uh, they'll save $11 million. It'll cost him $2 million against the cap in order to make the cut. This was expected across the board. Obviously, we'll talk more about MVS later. He'll be remembered as a bit of a playoff hero-ish, or at least one of the ancillary pieces that certainly helped them get over the top each of the last two years. Just too much. Too much money on the books to keep MVS around based on his performance last season. Yeah, this was expected. It's the right move. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody views him differently because of uh, the props he deserves for playoff success. The final moment of MVS was planting the flag at midfield in the Raiders stadium winning a championship. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty uh, iconic uh, But it, it, was, it needs to be done, and it's the right decision. Next up on what's trending, a busy day uh, when it comes to money discussions, financial discussions. Everything, everything, The world is all about money, Cody. Uh, is that what <laughs> you guys care about? Uh, Just your money? <laughs> Lance Leifold, according uh, to Pete Thamel, uh, has agreed to a new contract that features a significant raise 
raising his average salary to more than $7 million per year. That puts him in the top three salary range in the Big 12. We all know what he has done already at Kansas. They're also renovating David Booth Memorial Stadium, part of over $400 million investment. Uh, But that bump is not New Year's on the deal. They're just getting his dollar amount up to where it competes uh, and obviously provides more uh, stability to the program, as in him not leaving. We know there was a lot of speculation about Washington. He's got mentioned um, like 10 straight jobs. And, and that's going to probably continue even after this deal, but this just makes it more likely. So that was significant news out of Lawrence today. Better news than last night where the KU men's basketball team lost at home to BYU. Yeah, 76 to 68 on that. And Missouri will take on, uh, they'll be the only local team in action tonight against Florida at 530. Big 12 basketball, man. Kansas has lost some Big 12 games, but a number of Big 12 games they hadn't lost in a long time. And they blew, they got the They're up 12 in the second half, man. Late, they were up late at Allen Field. That doesn't, just doesn't happen. I think it's the first time, I can't remember the exact scenario. It was like up by five with two to go or something. It's the first time in a decade or something yeah. they've lost. There was a, like six and a half. They, here's the truth. Kansas has five good basketball players and only four are playing right now. Yeah, so Big 12 player of the year, McCuller's not playing. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And look, the Big 12 is obviously very, very good, but a lot of it has to do with their personnel. And that goes back team. to, uh, you know, like the punishment that they got for some of the, the violations where they're less down to scholarships, I believe. You know, all that stuff contributes. And, you know, for them, this is obviously going to be uh, a down year and it's a flawed roster. That's why they sit. And I don't know if, you know, it doesn't sound like they're getting McCuller back. You know, it, They've certainly tried to temper expectation that McCuller actually works his way back. That's what's trending here on Cody and Gold. We're expected to be joined by Josh Vernier here in about 25 minutes or so, our Royals insider, who will be uh, heading out to uh, Surprise Arizona here very, very soon, and we'll get his thoughts on uh, a little bit on what we've seen so far, in particular Michael Walker pitched yesterday, a nice showing, and obviously uh, our conversation we had with Brady Singer yesterday and what does Vern think of Brady Singer's season and what, what he can do. But let's start with the stadium stuff again. If you missed it in the 10 o'clock hour today, we carried that press conference from Clark Hunt and Mark Donovan in which they unveiled their, their plan, their renderings. If you go on uh, our social media, Chief's website has as well, There's you can see what some of the renderings look like. But the cost, again, $800 million renovation, Clark Hunt said the Hunt family is committed $300 million of that project or will commit $300 million for that project, plus cost overruns. $500 million would be publicly financed various ways. One, the $0.38 cent sales tax extension in April, if it's that passes. It's probably good for about $350 of it, I think, based on I the estimates. I think that was the dollar amount, that the breakdown for both the Royals and the Chiefs. Yep. And then the rest is the state of Missouri. And we know uh, the relationship they have with the governor's office and how important that is, considering to the state they already lost on the eastern side of the state many years ago, the St. Louis Rams. And so the Chiefs have some leverage there. And Clark Hunt was point blank asked, basically, hey, if the public financing stuff doesn't really happen, are you committed to spending more money to make this renovation happen? And to paraphrase, no, no. is the, no. <laughs> the, the answer is no on that. And that, again, should not be surprising. That's why so much of the emphasis has been on uh, how vital the vote is in April, depending on your perspective in this whole thing. The result of the vote on April will determine one way or the other whether or not the Chiefs explore other options in the region or, or you know, across the state line, whatever it may be. What what did you you make again on the the renovations uh, and the renderings? Because I, fine. I I think it depends on how you went going into what you thought a renovation would be. I think the Chiefs, their own doing already limited themselves in what you can really do because it is a renovation. And 
there's a difference. You renovate your house, it's not the same as if you wouldn't build a new million-dollar house. You, re- you know, It's just different. There sure. are limitations you can do to add on to your home, Cody, versus if I go build a brand-new million-dollar house. Same thing applies here. And so I look at the renovations. I think there's some nice upgrades, some tweaks. Does it have the overall huge wow factor? I, I don't think so off of the rendering. Now, maybe when I walk into Arrowhead for the first time and they got the brand-new video boards and they're massive like all these other stadiums, I'm going to be like, holy crap, this is incredible. Maybe so. I hope so. I think the you know the adding of the the fan the additional fan zone where the current Kaufman site is that would have an artificial turf area, some canvases uh, with a stage, and they could have some concerts. If you're someone that wants to get there early, but maybe you're not all about bringing out the grill and doing the full tailgate. A lot of people do that. We all know that's what makes the tailgate experience great. Now this is another avenue for you. You know there there's certain elements that I think are more beneficial to the masses, and there's some that are obviously to a select few. You know, there's upgrades to suites and VIP entrances. Majority of people, that's not going to impact them. Yeah, and the end zone areas, which is going to affect you if you've been end zone season ticket holders for all these years. And that's why Clark was talking about keeping people closer. I think part of it is, you know why I was a bit underwhelmed? Even though, Gold, I went into it knowing it was a renovation. So I didn't think everything was going to look different in all those things. And I knew that some of this, they had already admitted that some of this was going to be infrastructure related. It was going to be these pedestrian bridges and these increased parking areas and things that are like, cool, I I guess. Stuff to keep the concrete up. Stuff to just kind of keep the building going. But the area in which Kaufman used to sit, that was their opportunity for an impactful moment. That was the place of the renovation where I'm like, hey, show me a fan experience that is different than the fan experience I get now in a conceivable way. But I honestly think that it's conservative for a reason. I think they had chosen that area to be somewhat conservative. And here's a football field with some turf and a small stage because they know, like we know, that this renovation is not meant for Arrowhead to go last another hundred years, where 25 years from now, there'll be another renovation. We'll just keep Arrowhead chugging along. I think this is a short-term fix. I think that's why they've asked for a 25-year renovation plan and not 40. If they thought this whole time this meant Arrowhead was going to stay in place for the long haul, that area on what would be the site of former Kaufman would be cooler. And I think that's where I kind of get disappointed. It just feels like for the same amount of, and like, like the truth is, for the same amount of tax dollars, you're not getting as much as a fan. I'm not getting as much from my money out of the Chiefs as I am getting out of the Royals because most of it I won't notice. The video boards are cool. The rim boards are cool. I think the VIP fan areas, I get why that's a great experience. And the fan area is better than it has been. Other than that, it's just a bunch of, concrete and structure stuff and it's fine but isn't that kind of what a renovation is like i mean I, this goes back to if you entered today and i told you there was a press conference about renovations and you're like how come does it doesn't look like a brand new stadium i would say because it's not a brand new stadium Coffin like look different after uh, their it, renovations it didn't look like a brand new stadium but it was it was noticeably different. I still, other than if you thought they're going to have, you know, a new bar district where Kaufman is at currently for the Chiefs, I don't, I don't know that, what yes. addition. I, truly, though, like in a renovation for Arrow, what what addition were were people wanting? Other than hey, build a bunch. That's of, what I wanted. Okay, I, I that, wanted. But the stadium itself. Area. I mean, there are just limitations with the stadium yeah, itself. Sure. It's it's going to be a seventy-five year old stadium when this lease yeah. is up. I mean, honestly, it looks like Arrowhead with a bigger TV, which is it, fine. That's why people want out of Arrowhead. Time and time again, though, I heard from people that love Arrowhead, and the one thing they were worried about is like they, they didn't want a new stadium, but also their reno- renovation, they wanted to make sure it still felt like Arrowhead, but in, in, in an even better way. And I would argue that's what they have done. 
with their current plan. Like so many people said, we don't need a new stadium. Arrowhead's fine. Uh, it's great. Nothing beats the tailgating. Well, they would argue that they enhance the tailgating atmosphere yeah, in this renovation, right? Like they would, you know, they're, other elements, like for those that sit up in the 300 level, it's a place where my parents had season tickets for many, many years that, you know, there's not as many amenities up there. So how do they upgrade that? They, you can not be wowed by it. I agree, but they're now going to allow you to walk all the way around. They're going to have these canopy areas up top, things like that, that seem small because it's a renovation. Like I, I just, this is why you and I, a year ago, if not two years ago, said it doesn't make as much sense to renovate a 50-plus-year-old stadium, just build a brand-new one. Now, obviously, the price tag is dramatically different if you do that, and that's not a price tag both the county or ownership is willing to do at this present time. And we know the sentimental value and connection um, that Clark Hunt has with, with Father's legacy to the stadium. I think that's a huge part of why they're renovating and not pushing for a brand-new stadium um, and Going into today, we all recognize that. So that, that's why you were asking me a letter grade of like what I see from just the renderings. I said like a B minus. It's, 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 re- it's a renovation. What, um, so now the, and the text line's been asking, and I think this is more than fair. Okay, now we have at least the cards on the table. We know that the Royals would like an extension of the 3 8 cent sales tax. They want to build a stadium down in the crossroads, uh, public private partnership in which John Sherman's expected to commit a billion dollars of his own money. Chiefs, they want a renovated Arrowhead with an improved tailgating experience, some new video boards. They would like to commit $300 million for an $800 million project. The question that comes out of all this anyway is on April 2nd, which is, I mean, barely over a month away, because opening day is a month away for the Royals, barely over a month away, do you think it passes? Did the Chiefs hurt themselves today or did they help themselves today? The truth is, I don't think they helped themselves in the court of public opinion today, but that's also where they do this today and not two days before the vote. And same with the Royals. They got a lot of times to ramp back up. I don't think today changed what I think will be the outcome of the vote. I still think it's going to pass on April 2nd. Maybe I'm wrong, but I still think it'll pass. I believe we are probably long past the true swaying um, of somebody that was a yes to a no or a no to a yes. I think most people have dug their heels in on this. Uh, just you know, they are. doesn't mean that campaigns don't continue. I just saw yesterday those on the vote yes side, obviously the teams, uh, put out a new TV ad. Um, obviously those opposed are going to have more messaging and, and campaigns. That's going to continue all the way up to election day. This is normal campaigning stuff. But I, I don't believe there's a huge chunk of Jackson County voters that are undecided on this. I could be way off. I just, you, you sense that there's just this huge chunk of, of, of the electorate, I guess that is like, you know what, uh, man, I'm just, I'm still undecided. I feel like trying to balance out what we hear, not just from the text line, which is a small percentage anyway, but yeah, like, or social but, media, you know, or social media, small. but I, I think most people have made their mind. Someone I talked to, you know, six months ago, that was a no, I, I don't, I doubt they have switched to a yes all of a sudden. And so the question is like, not to get way too into like the, the election stuff, Cody, but like, I think the one danger you have is do people just assume it's going to pass and people don't turn out and actually vote? You know, that's always a worry. You know, you have people that just assume like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro uh, renovating. I'm pro voting. Yes. But like, well, it's going to pass. So I don't need to vote. That's the dangerous thing. You have to convince people, convince people uh, and to, to go out and, and vote. Right. You have to energize people to actually feel like there's a reason they still need to go out and vote. It'll be tough to see. Like, and look, I think maybe we'll get a better sense of it close because you're right. Just looking at the text line or looking at social, you'd think this thing is losing 90 to 10. 
<laughs> but I, I, I can I can promise you either way, neither side is getting anywhere near no. even sixty five or seventy. Probably right. Where, what do you think the highest percentage would be on a yes anyway? Part of it, uh, fifty four. I mean, that's just how these votes go. Yeah, uh, fifty six, maybe fifty seven. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Look, part of it is the the biggest hangup I have right now for the do I think this thing could actually vote no is I. So we talked a lot. I, we spent a lot of time on the show, and I stand by what we said on the show, which was the lead up to all this stuff. The messaging from the Royals and the Chiefs stunk. The Royals weren't giving enough information. They were letting everyone else control the narrative. And the Chiefs were saying nothing, which I also thought was cowardly. And that's the case. But now that all the details are out, the problem that the people who want this to be a no one, their messaging stinks. One, it's far more just like the Royals are trying to screw us. And you're like, there's two parties involved. So you can't just say the Royals are trying to screw us. This is a two party thing. And then part of the people who are no's are just no to the Royals having a downtown stadium. They'd be fine to renovate Kaufman, fine to renovate Aaron. Okay, so that's a problem. The yeses are all yeses across the board. The noes are split on why they're a no, which becomes kind mm-hmm. of an issue for the no part of the equation. And I just think the messaging is weird where the noes from the beginning had problems too, where Frank White's making up numbers that they're asking for, giving disingenuous figures for what it would cost. I... I feel like the messaging for the yes side now is better now that they've got some things out there. And the no is still just like, no, I don't want to give Sherman my money. And specifically him, it seems like. Yeah, there's, there, it fundamentally, there's going to be a lot of people that vote no just, just based off fundamentally the idea of publicly financed stadiums. Right? That's understandable. That is a huge hurdle. I would still argue that's the biggest hurdle anytime you're talking about yeah. uh, publicly financed project is there are going to be flat out 100% no vote on somebody for somebody that sees public money being used for uh, a sports stadium, right? There's, there's going to be individuals like that. Just, no matter what, totally. no matter what you do, you're just not convincing them. Correct. Actually, and, and there's also on the flip side, there's going to be people that are going to vote yes, no matter what, because they love the chiefs and the Royals. And for me, right? like those numbers that were taught, that's the other problem that I'd be like, it cost you like the KC tenants association. We've talked about them on the show and I think they're going to go on Carrington's this week, but yeah, it was like the numbers of, Hey, it's going to cost you $167 a year to keep the team. I got to be honest. You, it should have been a bigger you should have stuck with the common number for like a year to year thing because that doesn't to me like goal i've lived i lived in jackson county a long time that wouldn't have been enough to dissuade me i that's worth the price of entertainment for me there's some keeping the teams in my county that's worth the price i you know i, I yeah, know it's not the price for everybody but that that's enough i pay yeah that. it depends like it depends on everybody's situation, but yes, I think there's a plenty. There's also a lot of people that said, "Oh, basically, I can pay 167 dollars a year a to keep the Chiefs and Royals here." Like for some people, they're like, "Sign, sign me up." There's other people I'm going to say, "Absolutely not, hell no." Again, those are the those are people that are just 100 percent always going like to be the against. The Chiefs could just pay that 160. I get it. I yeah. understand. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. Uh, people are asking on the text line. So what happens? Let's go through the scenario. It's April 2nd. It's you know it's eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night on April 2nd. Uh, the polls have well, you know, been closed for a while, and results are coming in, and ultimately it ends up failing. Let's say what happens then, I think, is pretty clear. But Clark Hunt basically said there is no Plan B um, if the three eight cent sales tax extension doesn't pass. So at that point, yeah, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, that that becomes a real conversation at that point. I think we're fortunate that uh, because of the state line, we're not talking like Oakland, where it's like, well, they'll just go to Las Vegas. We're not, I, we're not I there. Kansas would have an opportunity first, I believe, but it would be devastating to both uh, franchises in terms of keep. It still would be a huge blow. It'd be a massive defeat. I still think if you're asking me, you asked me the question to start this whole conversation. 
do I think it passes on April 2nd? Yes, I still believe it passes on April 2nd. But uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see how the next couple weeks go um, with messaging. And I think it's extremely important with uh, finding ways to, if you're someone that believes that a yes vote is the vote that you should have, motivating people to go out. Because I, I, the, the danger I think I could see would be people just assume it passes and they don't go out and vote in Jackson County. We can get back to this, obviously, throughout the shows. It'll continue. But the Chiefs have had a really interesting 24 hours on the field. We would mentioned the MVS reports that suggest he is to be cut and they can save $11 million by doing so. So that's just a matter of time. But the one yesterday that shouldn't have come as big a surprise as it did initially, which was the Chiefs are going to let Legereus Sneed flirt with other teams. They have straight up told him, go see what your dollar amount is on the open market. And look, we're going to tag you. But if you can find a partner that wants to give you the long-term deal you want, then go ahead and do it. There's one very clear thing. The Chiefs are closer to getting a deal done with Chris Jones than they are Legereus Need. They are further apart with Legereus Need than they are with Chris Jones. And this is the one, like, I think Jones is the more important player. I've told you that. More important per dollar? More difficult to make the argument. If money was equal, it would definitely be Chris Jones. But if Snead, and there are 20 hungry teams for a corner in the league, can get the kind of deal he thinks he can get, then it makes it more difficult. I think that this is smart by the Chiefs for a couple of reasons. If he really can get the money he's asking for that the Chiefs aren't willing to pay, well, then you weren't going to be able to afford him in the long run anyway, and I guess get your second-round pick and move on with it. If he goes out to the free agency market and flirts with these teams and finds out that his price is his price, then maybe it makes him come back to the table with a more reasonable contract ask. Doesn't this feel like kind of a safe play for the Chiefs from that perspective? I think it's smart on and this benefits both sides. I mean, if you're Legereus Sneed, you know, you're obviously wanting to stay in Kansas City, but, uh, you know, being acceptable to a potential trade, I think allows you to also have a, a chance at still getting the long-term deal. If it's just like, hey, you can, you know, you're, you're not agreeing to a trade and it's something you're going to push back on, then you limit yourself to playing the $19.8 million or whatever it is franchise tag um, and not getting a long-term deal. It's a huge increase in salary from what you've made on your rookie deal yeah. where he's made like what? $5 million or something on his rookie deal. Currently. I mean, it's a, ma- the franchise tag is, is a massive. Fourth, he was a fourth. Yeah. Pick. Yeah. So I, I think this is the smart path for the chiefs to franchise tag buys you time, but also look, uh, Chris Jones, you had conversations before this past season. So you had a decent idea where you were at. You pick up those conversations today based on reports. They're meeting with the cats brothers uh, today, the agents, of Chris Jones, if they weren't as far apart as we all thought they were last year, then maybe this is something they can rectify. And there's no doubt one look, well, Jerry C was incredible this year, but if we're doing positional value, if we're doing one guy's a future hall of famer, one had one really good season so far in his career, it's a no brainer. Which one would change the entire defense more? If he left, it's Chris Jones. So uh, if you, if you look at the possible centers, I don't think they can have both on the, uh, on the roster or both on long-term deals next year. So if they get a deal done with Chris Jones, you think Snead's gone. but if, if you are not going to get a deal done with Snead and you trade him, then you either already would have had the deal done with Chris Jones or you made a massive mistake. Like you, you can't let Chris Jones go to free agency and also be thinking you're about to trade Legereus Snead. No, I'll say the, the one thing that makes me feel more confident that this could work out for the Chiefs is let's just say both guys are gone. Chris Jones is gone. Where does defensive line rank amongst the team's primary needs going into the season? One, right? Going into the draft and free agency, number one probably is defensive line. If Legereus Steed is off of this team, where does cornerback rank as far as the team's need? Three, four? I'll be honest. It would still be below tackle, defensive line, and wide receiver because 
They have done a great job developing tack, er, talent at corner. Step up Joshua Williams, Williams you know what and, I mean? Yeah. Williams and Watson immediately take over more of a role. Trent McDuffie is still there. And then, yeah, you maybe go look for someone in free agency or in the draft in these other positions. But they are far more deep and capable of handling the loss of Legereus need than they are of that. The one, the concern, now on the flip side, the biggest concern I have is, I told you the entire year and I stand by this, that defense is one of the best in NFL history. Statistics prove it, especially modern NFL history. It's the best defense in Chiefs history, in my opinion. And their identity was elite corner play. They're changing their identity. Their identity was not Chris Jones is the dominant fourth. It wasn't like Aaron Donald's run for the Rams. Their identity was Sneed and McDuffie shutting down the world. So I hate kind of giving up that part of it. That's my bigger concern. When you look at their roster construction, unless there is a, a trade we don't see coming involving a defensive, you know, somehow there's there's obviously a lot of moving parts with this, is that if they lose Snead, you mentioned what they already have and then what they can go do, and they have a track record of going out and developing corners, whether it's in, uh, you know, usually not free agency as much as it is draft. late in the draft. Whereas right now, if I took Chris Jones off the roster, all right, Karloft has had a great year. Felix Andy Dickey was on a complete wild card. Charles Amenihu, whether he's on the team or not, is not available right away to start next Correct. season. Mike Dana is a free agent. Like you just start going through and, and who's tougher to replace in terms of what you actually have body wise in the you know, bodies in the, in the facility. And so that's why Chris Jones, I I still think with them either their their side or the agent side putting out that Legereus Sneed is acceptable to being traded. Like, that's a big deal. Like, I know there's uh, some reporting that was done. I think Sean Newkirk put out that out of the 80 players that received a franchise tag in the last decade, only six were actually traded. One this, this, group is, well, this, this group is done at once, you know, out of the six. That was a D4 trade. As far as compensation for Legereus Sneed, like, you're not getting a massive haul. He needs a massive new deal. And you're trading for him. So you're, you're going to get a second-round pick or a combination of. You're not getting a first-round pick for Legereus Sneed. Second you know, seems you, fine. You, you don't you have any complaint about that, do you? You get a second-round pick. Uh, you don't have to commit the dollar amount to that position. You bring back Chris Jones, and then you've got an extra pick in the second round, or you, you, you use those picks to move up closer in the first round to go find, uh, the whether it's wide receiver or left tackle, whatever you think is, is fitting based on the free agent market. But I, I, don't have, I have no problem if you told me, that Sneed gets traded as long as that means you you get Chris Jones back. You, it would be a disaster if you traded Legarius Sneed and you let Chris and Jones Chris. actually go to free agency and go take the biggest deal offer, the biggest deal out. There. I guess here's the good news is is that you'd know if Chris Jones was going to go seek free agency probably before you rescinded the franchise tag or just traded him right. As I know, but you got to. I mean, yeah. when, if Chris Jones hits free agency, even take away Sneed for a second, just weeks? trying to find Chris Jones replacement. If you say, you know what, Chris, we're going to let you. Go on the Frasian market. We'll, we'll give you how many days do you get? We're going to give you three days. We're going to give you a week. Whatever it is, we're going to give you X amount of days to go talk to these other teams to find out a long term deal. At what point, though, where do you start worrying? You see, pick whatever top tier defensive line free agents that are out there outside of Chris Jones. At what point are you the Chiefs and you say, hey, we got to move on? We got to have an answer today. Yeah. I think that that's very real. I mean, they're going to have to make decisions based on the draft in a month, right? Or wait, two months? How long is the draft? Draft is two months. Two months. Away. League year starts in two weeks. So it's like, in, in terms mm-hmm. of the draft as well and what you're looking at, I think it Snead is 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 more, I guess, easily replaceable because the draft because the corner position isn't that strong in the draft. Where yeah, if it is that fourth need for you, Cody, you pick him and you pick a guy in the third round. They've been able to develop corners well. It works out better for you. Then if you're at 32, you have to draft a defensive lineman, and the top tier guys are pick. 
15, 16, yeah. 17. And the text lines pointed out, Nazi Johnson, Nick Jones, like they've got other players that played minutes for them. And like, they like their room. I'm just going to say it. They like the cornerback room. That's why they're more willing to entertain this with Snead than Jones right now. All right, come up next. We'll talk some Royals baseball. Josh Furnier, our Royals insider, uh, what he makes of the start to spring training and also expected maybe to be joined by Jonathan Katz of Fox 4. He's been all over the stadium conversation. That's coming up on Cody and Gold. Back here on Cody and Gold. Coming up in 10 minutes or so, we'll be joined by Jonathan Katz of Fox 4. He was at today's press conference inside Arrowhead when they announced their vision for what renovations could look like for Arrowhead moving forward. And that, of course, uh, is all pending the 3 eighths in sales tax extension vote in Jackson County on April the 2nd. So that's coming up in 10 minutes. But let's talk some Royals baseball spring training well underway at this point in time. And our Royals insider Josh Vernier joins us as he does each and every Wednesday Vern, I know you're you're about to head out to surprise. What's the biggest thing I, I guess you're most interested in either learning a little bit more about this team, uh, whether it's talking to individuals or just watching based off of uh, this offseason that they've had? Gold, you know me. I'm pretty nerdy. I, I love to dive into the ancillary, the intangibles, um, and that begins inside the clubhouse. We know who the leaders are. I'm interested in what the voices of the younger Royals sound like. How loud are they? I know what Vinny's uh, has been. I know what I expect it to be. I'm pretty sure it's going to be that moving forward. But as far as Bobby, the way that MJ carries himself, the way that Brady Singer walks around that clubhouse, um, big year for Brady Singer, big year for MJ Melendez, big year for a lot of these uh, young Royals that – are are about to shed that moniker of young. Many of them about to go through their second full big league season. Bobby, his third, basically MJ's third as well. Uh, you're, you're not young anymore. Now, now we're starting to see who you really are. So uh, I, I always begin in the dugout, in the clubhouse. That's, that's where I learn the most in spring. Vern, we had Brady on yesterday. Last season was the anomaly year versus his performance of other years. He was talking about trying to change his pitches in the middle of the year, and I know everyone was talking about the changeup, and he's talking about the changes in the four-seamer. Is this just like a – should we just think it's like a restart and we don't really know what Brady Singer is going to give us? Or should I think, hey, he should be able to rebound back to what he was before this last season really got away from him? I'll say this about Brady Singer, it's all there in front of him. I, I, I don't believe that answer has been written yet um, as far as what to expect with Brady Singer. He, he's one of those three keys to the season I talk about so often, the X, Y, and Z. If these guys meet or exceed expectations, the Royals are going to be right there in September with a chance to make it into the postseason. And it's Cole Reagans, it's Brady Singer, and it's MJ Melendez. Not only does Brady Singer swing this team from a 70-win team to an 80-win team? Uh, but Brady also has a chance to put his name back on the map outside of Kansas City. Uh, does he want to be a Royal long-term? Well, you can go earn a long-term contract this year. Does he want to be on a winner? Well, you can be traded to a winner by the end of July if you go out there and shove early on so as far as my expectation for Brady my expectation is he's going to be a solid number four but my expect my expectation is he's going to be a solid number four my hope is 
is that he returns to that 2022 form because that's a guy that can leapfrog Seth Lugo. That's a guy that I wouldn't mind handing the ball to in game three of an ALDS. It's all there in front of him. He just needs to go out, uh, evolve, improve, and attack. Where's your confidence in this bullpen, knowing that they went out, they added a, a bunch of pieces that have experience, have been proven bullpen guys, bullpen arms, and we all know, depending on what happens with the fifth starting spot, maybe there's an additional arm. Maybe Daniel Lynch opens the season in the bullpen. Who knows? What's your feel on, on this bullpen, and do you think they've done enough? They've done plenty. This comes down to... An, The answer to your question is going to sound like a sidestep, but it comes down to the starting pitchers. You, in my opinion, have enough in that bullpen. The the, the four acquisitions this team has made this offseason, including John Schreiber, that to me is good enough with what you already had so long as they're rested. Uh, So long as uh, Cole Reagans and Brady Singer, if they can meet or exceed expectations – You have four arms in your rotation that we're all expecting to give you 150-plus, 160-plus innings, four ERA or better. If you're getting that in 2024 with with those names in the bullpen, with those track records in the bullpen, uh, yeah, that should be enough. But if if, if Brady deal, you know, of course, if anyone deals with injuries, that's going to throw a a wrench into the plans. But if um, Cole Reagan slides like we saw Brady slide over the past year. Now, now there's a lot that goes into it, of course, with the World Baseball Classic and injury and all that. But whatever the reason is, if that slide happens, the bullpen or Angel Zerpa, Daniel Lynch or Jordan Lyles, someone's going to have to pick up those frames. Uh, If a starter can. Well, yes. Yeah. I think the bullpen has enough quality arms in it so long as they're allowed to rest. You had mentioned that Brady Singer kind of has everything in front of him. Do you feel the same way about MJ Melendez? We spent a lot of time talking about all his talent in the world, Vert, and the stats haven't quite lined up, but I don't know, full off season of him playing the outfield versus screwing around, trying to do multiple positions, all that stuff. I mean, is is there still just this uh, this hidden great year out of MJ Melendez based on talent? Offensively, it's certainly in there. Uh, I think he's enough of an athlete that he can be a league average, a slightly below a league average corner outfielder. I wouldn't put him, I'll put him in the same breath with Brady Singer on this front. MJ has a chance to completely change the swagger of this offense. If MJ is the eight, 20 OPS guy we saw in the second half of last season. Well, then, now, man, we got a superstar in Bobby Witt Jr., um, an on-base machine in Vinny Pasquantino, uh, two sluggers in Salvi and Hunter Renfro, um, Michael Massey and Michael Garcia, solid bats. But if you're bringing that kind of thump as well with MJ Melendez, I I think you're now six deep. Uh, Now this Royals offense can match up with any offense in the American League. The same way that if Brady Singer can can meet expectations, I think the depth of this rotation can line up with most in the American League. So, so that's where I see the similarity. The difference is that long-term conversation. I, I think Brady, you have that conversation at the end of this season if he deals or if he wants to move on, you trade him this year at the deadline and capitalize on a hot first half. 
MJ, I don't think either one of those two things are possible. I, I don't think you're going to trade him at the deadline. And sadly, mainly because of representation, I don't think you're going to sign him to a long-term contract anytime soon. <laughs> he just kind of feel it feels like the Moustakis swing year. Does that make sense? Like, all right, you know, the on-base limited, the hit, you know, like, but you know it's there. Like, I watch it sometimes, and I'm like, there's definitely something there from the bat perspective, Vern. I just keep waiting for it to click. Yeah, the, you know, what, what, what did, what was it ultimately that unlocked Moose was becoming? Playoffs. Yes, yes, uh, the playoffs, but also not becoming the player that many people hoped that he would yeah. be. Right, he, he, he wasn't. I understood he he set the record. He had a a big 2017 hitting what 38 home runs, but for the most part. Uh, I think most Royals fans were expecting a, a consistent 25, 30 bombs from Mike Moustakas as he was coming up through the ranks. He became an all-fields hitter, became a multi-time all-star, had a great and still is having a terrific career. Uh, but do I foresee that for MJ Melendez? No, I, I think he's even more boom or bust. It, it, it's either home run or you're probably not long for the league. Vern, can I care about spring training pitching stats yet, or do I just let <laughs> no. those go? They're pitching no, so it... well, and it's hot, and it's Arizona. <laughs> no, who cares? Uh, we just want them to remain healthy. There remain healthy, and uh, for the most part, they've done that. Do you have a Do you have a spot that you like going to? I didn't. I didn't surprise Vern or in the area. Well, is, give me. Don't don't tell me in and out. Like, is there? Uh, He's is... got a breakfast no. spot for sure. Oh, there's a breakfast yeah, spot. Yeah, Nick's Diner too. Uh, they're, what's they're, the they're... What's the thing to get there? Anything you want breakfast-wise, it's just one of those classic Greasy Spoon oh, places that is packed every single Sunday morning. Uh, I love it and been going there way too long. <laughs> uh, they, they recognize me now by my order, even though my, wow. my appearance and my hair has changed. When the, kid, when the guy comes in and orders a number 7 and a number 11, they go, hey, it's the baseball guy. <laughs> He's good both. I'll have to ask I mean, you. I'm, I'm curious what the 7 and 11 is then. Well, the, the seven is two eggs over medium with hash browns, uh, two sausage links, uh, two pieces of bacon, and some toast. The 11 is uh, three biscuits and gravy. <laughs> okay. I thought it was going to be salty and sweet. I thought for sure you were going to say like a pancake or something, you know? We got a big glass of water, a coffee as well. <laughs> um, and normally Mike, well, back in the day, Mike Miner was normally a few rows oh, down. Okay. All right, Vern. Well, safe travels out to Arizona. We'll check in next week. Sounds good. Thank you. That's Josh Vern, your Royals insider. Again, Vern's Hot Stove Show Thursday nights here on 610 Sports Radio. And for only thirty nine ninety nine per month, the Royals Fountain Pass will guarantee you access inside the K for every single Royals regular season home game this year. Guaranteed standing room ticket to every game, including high demand and weekend games. The ability to upgrade your ticket an hour before the first pitch as well. Thanks to Vern for joining us. And uh, looking forward to having him throughout the entire baseball season. But let's get back into the stadium conversation, the news of the day in Kansas City. And will continue to be the biggest story all the way up to Election Day on April 2nd in Jackson County for that three-eighths cent sales tax extension. Someone that has been all over this story for the last couple of years, really. Jonathan Katz over at Fox 4, kind enough to call in, give us a little bit of time here. Jonathan, you were there at Arrowhead today. Uh, and other than you know what you thought of just the renderings, I wanted to kind of just get your perspective and what you've been hearing on where we're at on, on the potential vote, but also the financial aspect. I think it was you that asked a couple follow-up questions to Clark Hunt on if this thing doesn't pass in April, what are they willing to commit financially go moving forward? 
Well, I, I mean, they, they said that they're going to commit to cost overruns um, for the, this stadium renovation. Um, I, I mean, to me, the, one of the more interesting things that I gathered from this news conference today was, you know, I, I don't think any of, none of this happens if this vote doesn't pass on April the 2nd. And uh, Mark Donovan was pretty blunt about that in a gaggle with us after um, the individual comments that he and Clark Hunt made. Um, you know, he, he flat out told us when I asked him, he said, we're going to explore all of our options um, if this vote doesn't pass on April the 2nd. And, you know, I, I was surprised at how blunt he was about that. Um, and he is obviously trying to get people to vote yes on April the 2nd um, as as the future of the team, specifically in Jackson County, I think, would be in question if this vote doesn't pass. Jonathan, do you think that they, the organization, Clark Hunt, Mark Donovan, do you think that they care to try to get the support of the Jackson County legislator as in, or the county commissioner, I guess, from that perspective, like, are they going to try to win over Frank White before this thing or just kind of let him say whatever and then put out their counter messaging? I think I think that ship has sailed, to be honest with you, um, with Frank vetoing it. And then, you know, him telling us today, he, uh, you know, he told me and, and Vahi and a couple of other reporters that he plans on voting no on this. And he has been very hard for the Chiefs and the Royals to try to convince um, to not veto this, and he ended up vetoing it himself. So I think I don't think the and and because of the fact that the legislature overrode Frank, they really don't need Frank's support anymore. Now, kind of the war of words story that I did yesterday, Frank continues to claim that he doesn't have proposed leases from the Chiefs or the Royals. Now, Manny Abarca, who has been very critical of Frank um, all along, texted me this morning saying he now has the leases. And so he's basically saying when Frank says that he doesn't have the leases, he's lying. And Frank basically said the (laughs) same thing. I mean, he basically said the same thing to us today. So who do you believe? Do you believe Manny or do you believe Frank? I'm not going to. I'm not going to say who I believe, (laughs) but but this is, you know, the fact that Frank does not support this stadium issue on the ballot in April does provide a challenge for the Chiefs and the Royals, because you do have to do you do have to give some sort of credit to Frank because because he is the county executive. We're talking to Jonathan Katz of Fox 4 in regards to the stadium renovation that was announced today by the Chiefs, at least their plans. We all know it it, it centers around the the vote on April 2nd. You've talked to numerous stakeholders. You've you've been around the community as well. We're a little over a month out from Election Day. What is kind of your sense on the optimism, if that's even a word we can use on, on the Chiefs side, or those that are at least in support of question one being yes? I think I think. The vote, yes, people are optimistic. I I think it's going to be close. I mean, the thing that I'm most interested to watch is how different is the vote in Jackson County compared to Kansas City, Missouri, Um, because there has been so much discussion around 
the Royals' new stadium. And there are a lot of people who do not want to see the Royals move downtown, much less there are a lot of people who are more concerned about this now because they're moving to the East Crossroads as opposed to the East Village, Mm -hmm. where you're going to have to displace more business owners. Um, Now that's kind of a new stakeholder in the game who is trying to get people to vote no. Um, You know, does that impact how people vote in Kansas City, Missouri? And, um, you know, the people in eastern Jackson County, the Independence is Blue Sprinkly Summits of the World, um, they're not going to want to go farther to a baseball game than the Truman Sports Complex. And because this stadium is county-owned and not city-owned, you very much so have to take into account how people outside of Kansas City, Missouri, and Jackson County feel about this issue. And there are a lot of people who have been upset that the Royals are moving away from a more centralized location in Jackson County for a ballpark. Where's the progress at, if, if you know of an update, on the, what, 20-plus property owners, not business, but the property owners that they actually, the Royals, will have to negotiate with? I mean, is there, it, that is still ongoing, I know, but do you know of, if there's even been any deals made with some of them? No, I, I don't know. I think that's a case-by-case basis, and, and that's a case-by-case basis with each individual property owner. And who the, the people who are being the most vocal about this are the 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 business owners and unfortunately for the unfortunately for the business owners if they don't own their property you know they're not the ones that are likely you know doing the negotiating with the Kansas City Royals you know somebody like Joe Coxon of the Chartreuse Saloon has been very vocal in trying to get people to vote no on this issue the problem is she doesn't own her property you know she's at a uh, she's on uh, Oak Street and the, to me, the question before the news conference with the Royals was, okay, how far east does this ballpark go in the east crossroads? And, and you know what, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, we found out that the ballpark is going to go east of Oak. Therefore, that does impact, you know, Jill Coxon's um, restaurant, the Chartreuse Saloon, her bar. So she would be displaced. Her issue is her landlord, Matt Abbott, is in full support of the Royals building um, their ballpark in the East Crossroads. So whether or not the Royals actually have any conversations with her specifically, I find that hard to believe. They're more so talking with her landlord, Matt Abbott, and Matt Abbott loves a ballpark going in the East Crossroads for all the obvious reasons. Other than the obvious, like, I don't know, commercial of Patch Mahomes and Bobby Wood Jr. doing a chest bump saying, put the stadium downtown and approve the renovations of Arrowhead. Do you think we'll get any more details from either side of this? We got a lot from the Chiefs we didn't have today. We got more from the Royals a week ago as well. Is this the end as far as the messaging goes, as as far as what we're planning on doing with the money and these related things? And now it's just about playing the hype man, I guess. I, I mean, I think that's I think that's a good question. I I would I don't know if there are going to be any more news conferences from either team. You know, we've been we've been waiting on this announcement for the uh, for a while. And does, does does the messaging more so focus around the Chiefs than it does the Royals because the Chiefs are so much more popular in this area right now than the Royals are. Um, I mean, that that may be the case. Maybe the Royals sit back for a while. And because this is one ballot question involving both 
teams, you know, maybe the Royals ride the backs of the Chiefs into getting what they want in a new ballpark. Granted, they're not getting any more Jackson County money than the Chiefs are in this project. Jonathan Katz of Fox 4, I know you've been busy running around today. I appreciate you giving us a call and, and fantastic insight. See you guys. There you go, Jonathan Katz who has uh, really from the beginning done a tremendous job, specifically talking about even the business owners that he's been speaking to in the crossroads. That is interesting what he, he mentioned, and it's it's true. It's kind of the sad reality and understanding both sides of it, which is if you're the Royals and there's been some complaints like, hey, you, you haven't met with the owners of the businesses, they don't have to. They, the property owners are who they're trying to buy the land guess from. What? The guy who owns property in the crossroad probably owns more property in the crossroad, which means that same well, going to be right up next to well, other parts of his property. Well, of course, because there's 80 businesses and 20 property owners. And so now there's going to be property owners, if this vote passes on April 2nd, that are going to hold out. And, and we'll see how long that process takes to uh, for the Royals to potentially negotiate and, and come to terms. But that's the the... The unfortunate thing, which is why you and I discussed the East Village location versus the crossroads, my preference was East Village because you were only displacing like two, three businesses at that point versus 80. Um, but the reality is, yeah, they're probably not going to meet with every individual business yeah. owner because they're not buying the land from business the business owner. They're buying the land from the 20 property owners. And this is what makes these type of deals so complicated is... Just mentioning that the Royals chose the crossroads location actually isn't telling the whole story. You and I both know that there were other factors in play that were trying to push the Royals to that location. So, like, maybe we wanted them to be in the East Village location. Hell, Gold, maybe that that was their preferred site. But as more business interests and other people get involved, you have to start finding these compromises here or there or locating this. And that's how you end up at this East Village location. It wasn't just as simple as the Royals just up and changed their mind right. and decided this was the no, better we, location. We know they wanted East from the beginning. We know they wanted East Village. Be honest, like East but Village. Then was, they ended up in a different location. I wonder why. Yeah, East other Village people. was always the the initial spot. It's just there were other factors and either at the city level or other developers and things like that that contributed into why they settled on. And they would hate the word settled, but yeah. why they they, they chose uh, that site. Yeah, he didn't predict which way he thought it would go, but he did say what most of us think is. It's going to be close. Yeah. You and I are going to be, I don't know, I don't usually monitor election results super close into the night. I vote in every election, but I don't usually just well, like won't be, stay yeah, up. Neither one of us currently reside. You, you used to reside in Jackson County. I did, but I yeah. currently reside yeah. in Clay. Yeah, and obviously I'm on the Kansas side. So I, and I, I've told you if this was a vote in which Johnson County was part of, I would absolutely be voting yes for it. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be close. No, neither neither side uh, is, is winning, you know, winning this question with a wide margin. I mean, that's just not how these... I'd have to go back and look, and we probably should. Uh, the last renovation, how close was the vote on on that? We should go back and look at that. I'm just curious to remember what the that percentage was. Three? The renovation was done in 10, right? But the vote was prior to 2010, right? Isn't that, I believe the yeah. last renovation was right before the All-Star Game came to Kansas City, which the All-Star Game was in 2013. So it would have been 2010 renovation, and then whenever they, the vote was obviously before then. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll look that up during the break. Uh, coming up next, though, the other news on the field, though, for the Chiefs. A wide receiver now reportedly going to be cut that we all kind of expected. And what did a former wide receiver, what could be a former wide receiver, uh, have to say about the leadership aspect of Travis Kelsey next year on Cody and Gold? One o'clock hour on a busy day in Kansas City. It's Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. Thanks again to Jonathan Katz of Fox 4, giving us a little bit of insight and in what he's been hearing around the stadium 
vote and the stadium renovations. We'll get back to that at 1.30 today. You'll hear from Mark Donovan and some of the comments from Clark Hunt as well. Why are they renovating versus the new stadium? It's something everybody's always asked. You'll hear from them. Also more on the cost of, of the stadium renovation project. So we'll get back to that momentarily. Uh, but the other news that isn't shocking, but it's just the next step of what the offseason could look like was Jeremy Fowler's report earlier this morning which is that the Chiefs are going to release Marquez Valdez Scantling. It'll save the club $12 million. There'll still be $2 million in dead cap. And this was the expectation. It's the right decision. But fortunately for Marquez, I would say his legacy, really, in Kansas City. It's a good one now. um, Based off of what he's done in the postseason, people view him way differently. You know, the, the, the signing based off of regular season success was disappointing. And certainly this year was a very frustrating season for him. But when you look at what he did in the AFC title game a year ago, you look at what he did in this postseason, had a catch in the a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That's what he should also be remembered for. And I think it changes how, you know, 15, 20 years from now, when I bring up the name Marquez Valdez Scantling, instead of it being like a joke and something people laugh at, now it's, oh, he got a, his last moment in a Chiefs uniform was planting that flag at midfield at the Raiders Stadium. That big wave. Yeah. And just that was awesome. It so in the center. Good for him that he had that moment. Um, but this is the right decision. I mean, you, you have to move on. You don't you can't be paying them 14 or 15 million dollars next year, whatever had, it would have been. Had I told you for the three year, 33 million dollar deal, what you got was two years and he only managed one thousand and two yards combined for the two seasons gold going into that. You'd have been like, woof. Well, that's not exactly what you want. I'm not here to pretend like Marquez Valdez Cantling showed up in every single postseason game he ever played. He had eight or less yards in three of the seven postseason games in which he played for the Chiefs. But the couple of times they really needed MVS, that man showed up. I mean, just straight up, he showed up. Six catches, 116 yards in an AFC title game in which we joke about how bad the wide receivers are now. Just as a quick reminder of what happened because of injury against Cincinnati with Patrick Mahomes on a single ankle in the AFC title game, he was throwing to Marcus Kemp. As one of the receivers, you probably thought Marcus Kipp hasn't been on this roster in five years. So MVS showed up then. He had a nice, he had a he had a big touchdown catch against Baltimore, one that they desperate, or sorry, a big catch against Baltimore, one in which they desperately needed, and a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He did enough for me to just be like, glad you were a part of it, MVS. I'm not going to try to pretend here he's just some like Chiefs hero of old when we go back and reminisce no. about this dynasty. He'll be like player 15, I probably mentioned. But I'm not going to. Had they lost this year, I think you go on the NBA, you're like, that's stupid deal, and this never worked, and I'm annoyed. But because he's swinging a flag and hanging it out, one, two titles, we're good. We're playoffs, good. The playoffs can we're cure good. a lot of things. Winning in the playoffs and being a part of it can cure a lot of things. I mean, I think he is somewhat in the group of Damian Williams' postseason success uh, and Sammy Watkins. Maybe not to the full extent of Damian Williams, who was incredible in the, the Super Bowl and could have been the MVP of the Super Bowl back in, in 2020, 2019, uh, in the first time against the 49ers. Um, but, yeah, the, the the lasting image of MVS, fortunately for him, uh, is way different than where it was trending after the Eagles game, where he had the massive drop and everybody was, you know, wanting him to be 
cut or not everybody, but a lot of people are wanting to be cut immediately. Sure. Um, but this is the right decision financially for the Chiefs. He'll end up somewhere else next year. And the, the Chiefs needed to move on. And you can hopefully utilize that dollar amount that he was on the books for next year in a much better way, whether it's directly for a different receiver or it helps you get a deal done with Chris Jones or it helps you keep Nick Bolton. Find you know, a new what, corner if you got a trade yeah, need. Yeah. Whatever it may be. This was the right decision. Should not surprise anybody. But again, Jeremy Fowler um, reporting that that's what the Chiefs will do because of the way the league year yet. The Chiefs haven't officially announced the move, but Jeremy Fowler is pretty damn good at what he does. That's happening. Uh, and it should. Ian Rapport said the same thing. It's like, we haven't tagged you yet, but we're gonna. Doing this allows him the opportunity to flirt with other teams, which, I mean, again. You're talking about Sneed now. Sneed. Yeah. Yeah, on the other end, which makes sense, at least on that end, what you're talking about. With him, yes, it's like, eh, you know, why wouldn't you just think of the positive? Look, I I don't think Tony can save like if he they gets sh- cut. They should cut him too. Two point yeah. it's two point something guaranteed. They should cut him yeah, too. Of course they should. Um but I don't think we'll regale him the way MVS. Look, MVS was who he was a majority of his career. I swear to God, every other year of his career, just look at it. He's a 400-yard receiver one year. He's a 650-yard receiver the next. That's his entire career. He was that for two years in Kansas City, except for he showed up in a couple of big playoff games in which he won back-to-back Super Bowls. It's going to be hard for me, for anybody who was here for both years, for me to completely bury them. I won't even completely bury Tony at this point. Can I? I mean, he had one big punt return. Cool. Yeah, he said some stuff there. His problem is that he said some negative stuff at, at the end. end. Yeah. The only thing that could get MVS at this point is if he did what Tyree killed it, which is he's heard his like rep in the city too, where you get out of town and you start saying crazy things like, I don't know, man, playing with this Kenny Pickett guy. Never seen a quarterback sling it like that. And I just don't think MVS is going to do yeah, it so, that way. Someone says you save nothing cutting Tony. Yeah, it's not about saving money with Tony. It's just that I don't need him on the roster. That's the MVS. You're it saving just, it doesn't money. Cost me anything to cut yeah. Tony is the point. Yeah, the MVS they're saving like twelve million dollars. But yes, Kadarius Tony. There's not the cap relief. It's just do you want that individual around? <laughs> do you want that? I'll call him a headache because of how it ended at the end. It wasn't a headache for before. Both teams now. He's back uh, to he's I, two for I, two. I still think the trade worked though to a certain extent because of how we view it. I mean, they they I wish gave they'd up given a blast. They, but yeah, he helped them win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's where we're at in this window of dynasty. A lot of it's not they gave they didn't give up a first round pick for him. You know, they, they 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 he was on a rookie deal and they gave him a third round pick and he came up with a massive punt return and also had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. The issue I had with him during the season was they were trying to still prove that they had won the trade when they didn't need to. That was like, and then eventually they realized, all right, we don't need to play him. He's a healthy scratcher. He's got a hip injury, and then that's what prompted the whole Instagram live. And then Tony claimed that it was AI generated, which I'll still remind you. I don't know anybody that's wasting their time on AI to, to make Canary's Tony look <laughs> bad. Seems like a giant waste of time. That'd be like if I said something on the air, I shouldn't. Like when you yesterday were talking about the baseball players and you said, like, uh, oh, you said bat and balls, mostly balls. Oh, I right? said, yeah, balls, but not a lot of strikes. Yeah, yeah. so fine. In right? the photo. If, uh, <laughs> if you're mentioning that version of it, um, and you're like, I didn't say that. I didn't want that out there. That was AI generated. Like, gold, no one's AI generating your voice <laughs> exactly. to say absurd things. That's right. We both know that you said it. Exactly. I don't have to go back through the number of drops of things I've said or you've said over the air. Uh, over the years yeah, he was going out of their way to try to make up stuff on Kadarius Tony. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's not the one. I think it's a lot easier to say the MVS signing worked, the Orlando Brown junior trade worked the Tony one. I don't know if it worked as much as if it was a, it was a mistake, but you can make a couple of mistakes and it not matter when you're as good as the chiefs are. Does that make sense? 
They still win. Like, I wouldn't go back and be like, do they win the Super Bowl without Tony? Yeah, probably. Okay. Look, I, I got evidence on the Chiefs now. Yeah, we're good there. Yeah, but on MVS, me, do they still win the Super Bowl without MVS? I'm not as sure about that answer based yeah. on last year's AFC title game, based on other things that have taken place. Do they win both without him? Not sure. They might have needed the collection of those yeah. parts. Besides the on-field play of the regular season and the offside stuff, when you put out an Instagram video, even if you claim it wasn't real, but you put out an Instagram live, mm-hmm. and you're critical and you accuse the organization of lying. About your injury. You, and you weren't great? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and cut you in the offseason. And so... Uh, talking about Canaries, Tony, obviously, not, not MVS. Quickly, in Tony's defense, they were lying about his injury, right? Yeah, but we all knew that was <laughs> This happens with teams. Like, they're cut, they definitely lying about They're it. trying to not make you look as bad, dude. They're trying to say, yeah. oh, he's dealing with some injuries. Not that um, his play sucks, we don't trust yeah, him, and we're not making you active. They were trying to cover for him. He didn't like that, and then he, he made it way worse. That's what's funny. It's like, he's not wrong that they were lying about it, but, like, dude, they were doing it for you. This was to help you. Yes. That's a hurt. Thinking of wide receivers, uh, McCall Hardman, who ended up talking about ending maybe his career as a chief. We don't know if he'll be back, but on, on a hell of a way, as he wore the jersey at the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game, Mr. Walk-Off, the, the walk-off touchdown. He was on with Ryan Clark, the Pivot podcast. Ryan Clark also about to get a new deal with ESPN. I saw that. He's verbally nice. agreed uh, to a new deal uh, with, with ESPN. But um, he was talking about uh, basically a couple things. One, what went wrong with the Jets and the Chiefs, but also I thought was interesting, uh, Travis Kelsey and basically how impactful the leadership was from Kelsey. And it sounds like he appreciated it more once he went to the Jets and then came back and saw it. Well, you said the he he had that vicious season he had, but his like when I got back, the leader he was was three four times more powerful than it's been since I've been there. Off the charts, bro. Like I mean, the way he was leading, he was practicing, the way he was his talk, but his speech before the game, bro. Saturday, what like, was that like, bro? Like, let's go run through a wall. Like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> like you know, like you know, like you ever hear like a Ray Lewis speech? It's like, like yeah, let's go, bro. Like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like the speech he had, bro. You like, oh, this man want to win. Like, okay, he want our tip. I'm gonna do everything we I got to make sure we get this win for you. Like, not even for the tip for you, cause the way you just like man in tears, bro. He yelling like you like, damn, this man really into it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like his his leadership and his his will to want to win was just off the charts. And then you get to the Super Bowl and he he get in the locker room like even when the people underestimate the the interaction him and Coach Reed have, it wasn't no whatever. He's like, man, call some fucking plays. Let us go work. Like we ain't we ain't calling the play we should be calling. Then we get to the locker room. He flipped the table, the, the training bike over. Like this, this what y'all want to leave out here? Like you know, like like this. Like yeah, like nah. Let's go get this. Like his leadership was a, a was top notch. Like it, the way he led, like it was it was off the charts. And you could see the differences even in the second half. Like the catches he making, how he getting open. Like you know what I'm saying? It's just like that. You could you could feel that energy and. That energy is contagious, and he got the, the energy he has is contagious, bro. Like, it goes from the head coach all the way down to the people that ain't even playing. It's like everybody up there, we good. Like, just him alone, bro. Like, is is he the spark? Like, he's that he's that glue that 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 held everybody together. So that was McCall Hardman. Damn, he's got nothing but great things to say. Yeah, about and I 
he was on the Jets, and we'll play a cut from him talking about the Jets in a second, but you go from the Jets, and then you go back to think that he noticed Travis Kelsey even more in the leadership aspect because you know, it's one of those, like, you don't, you don't know what you had until you left kind of thing yeah, and what you lost. And he's, uh, he, he certainly spoke very highly on Travis Kelsey, both from when he came back midseason, but also we heard a lot about that Saturday night speech that he gave to the team before, and that was McColl explaining it again. And then I guess we didn't know that, what, Travis Kelsey flipped the, the trainer bike in the locker room at the Super Bowl? Is that, that's how I heard it. Is that what yeah, you heard? that's exactly what um, I heard. And got people fired up in that way. Here's what I love about this story. One, it does speak to the competitiveness of Travis Kelsey and how everyone is willing to line up behind the man. But it also is just why I'm just going to tell you now, uh, this is going to be the earliest ever, <laughs> February 28th. Oh, boy. I don't care about the Jets. They don't matter. They're, they're a joke of a franchise because McColl left for like three mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, God, I got to get the hell out of there. Like he knew you could tell the difference between a well-run lead, uh, you know, like a led organization that goes there. Look, when Travis Kelsey leaves. They'll have to have a different player on the offense step up in his stead that isn't Travis Kelsey. Obviously, Mahomes will still be there and they'll have all these other guys, but they need somebody else to be that fire for them. But Kelsey's great at that role, and it's only gotten better. And that wasn't the only – that interview, by the way, I highly recommend it um, because McColl says all kinds of stuff in that I thought was interesting. Part of it was like – He's like, I came back to the Chiefs, and I remembered that they have a plan for everything they do, and everything is yeah, organized. He said there's no with standard with the Jets. He said the Jets, he said the whole plan in training camp was like, ah, no, Aaron will take care of us. Just go do your thing, and Aaron will just kind of do his thing. And you're like, of course that's how Aaron operates. So he's operated his entire career. Sometimes when you get away from it, I spent years blaming the Packers for never letting Aaron Rodgers come to the level that he should have considering his talent level. And part of it now in retrospect and again, separate the stuff. This has nothing to do with his, like, COVID beliefs or whatever. Just as a player, he was always just, like, freelancing and just doing what he felt in his heart. And that is not a good way to go about football. He hurt himself as much with the Packers as they hurt him, I guess, is the point. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think when, you, um, when you're when you McCall Hardman, and let's be honest, like, the, the highlight in New York was probably when he was on the, what, Adam Schefter, the podcast they had, like, the, the video of... Um, the the mentalist Oz guy or whatever that does the cool things. And like McCall Hartman, they had him come up in the front of the team and like he predicted the Super Bowl matchup and it was like the 49ers and the Jets. It was obviously 49ers and Chiefs, but still the point was uh, that might have been the most featured. McCall Hartman was in a Jet uniform. Then he came back. He got himself in a little bit of, I'll I'll call it social media hot water with with this comment on on the podcast yesterday. Tell you right, I was so checked out. Like, (laughs) it's over. I already talked to Vita Pat, like, hey, bro, come get me, bro. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we talking about? Like, man, come get me. Like. So you had some some Jets fans like, that oh. That would be tampering. Oh, Jesus reaching out to McCall. Yeah, you had some Jets fans like, ah, oh, the Chiefs should be punished for for tampering because McCall Harmon just said that Veach already reached out. McCall Harmon very quickly today put out a tweet um, this morning that said, quote, never had talks with KC before the trade. So we can, all caps, clear that up. The Jets handled my trade on their own and did the right thing by sending me back to KC. Wanted to squash that pretty quickly after in, in the, the, Smart. the podcast clip. It makes it seem like that. Yeah, he was texting with Veach before and all this kind of stuff. Not too worried about that. But uh, yeah, props to uh, props to uh, McCall Hartman, obviously, for how things turned out and spoke very highly on Travis Kelsey and either, you know, how the leadership was when he came back. But 
Um, and the text line points it out. Like, it's the balance. It was, did he appreciate it more, or did Kelsey also just step up as a leader? I think it's a little bit of both. I think he probably appreciated Kelsey's leadership more when he didn't have maybe that in New York, and then he comes back and saw it. I think there's something. So Kelsey was kind of a hothead early in his career. I've covered postgame locker rooms, right? The ones where he said uh, guy couldn't even work at Foot Locker, take off the uniform. We all know the uh, motion he had made towards a referee at one time. And all those things. So it's not that he's never played with that passion, but over the last two years, including training camp, and you and I have been around training camp every single day over the last, what, four years really since this show's been around. Well, I guess not the one with COVID, but you get the point. Is Travis Kelsey seems incredibly hungry right now to make sure that the end of his career is nothing but winning. I do not think a single thing matters to Travis Kelsey on the football field other than W's right now. There's been plenty of times in lots of people's career where there's like a varied amount of outside forces or inside forces or these things that you care or don't care about. And that's what you go back to like week 18. That's that was the when week, he could have yeah. when he could have gone for a thousand yards. And he's like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So when he's flipping over training bikes in a Super Bowl, it is only because he cares more than most people care to make sure they get a damn Super Bowl ring again so he can stack up as many of those things as possible. And everybody isn't wired that way, and that's fine. Well, so you, know there's somebody, you know there's somebody listening right now saying, well, why does he have to flip over a bike? Why does he have to you know, maybe run into Andy Reid in order to be fired up? And that's a fair question. I don't know. Athletes' mindset is a little bit – I can't explain it. I haven't been in an NFL locker room during a game and been in that sure. mindset. Uh, yeah, it doesn't mean – you know, there, there's, there's a balance. Everybody, like you said, some people are different. Some people uh, lead more vocally – uh, than others, Travis Kelsey, obviously a very vocal leader. Goes no, no kidding. Uh, I think we've all saw that even from the out, seen that from the outside. Um, but thought that was interesting from McCall Arman. And then yeah, the rest of the podcast, he just was kind of trashing the Jets. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> said to say on the fact there was not much of a standard set by the the Jets organization. And that's what happens when you're part of a losing organization versus here in Kansas City. And we'll get back to the the NFLPA grades and why ultimately. They don't mean a whole lot to me. The NFL PA grades were the Chiefs graded poorly from players yet again. And Clark Hunt talk about was an F minus um, because I, I think ultimately for some of the stuff, the little details of they didn't like the chair they sat in or whatever. When you're back to back champs, I don't know if that's really preventing players from signing with you. I think it's a problem when your team sucks. You better make sure the facility is perfect for them. I don't know if it matters as much. Um, we'll get to the NFL PA grades coming up along with the stadium renovations around 135. Uh, but again, the other news today, Chief Sahalik pled guilty, Cody. Chief Sahalik pled guilty to those charges that we've been discussing for, I don't know, what's been going on, over a year now? When, when did when did he get when arrested? When did that news break that Chief Sahalik was, turns out he was robbing banks? and Was it last March or something like that? Was March when he was on the lam? God, it's so hard to keep track of now. I feel like he's been a part of our story <laughs> well, he, for he, so long now. Xavier Babudar or whatever, he, uh, Chief Solik, that's what we just call him, Chief Solik. He pled guilty to charges related to 11 bank robberies in seven states, including uh, laundering proceeds through area casinos. He faces up to 50 years in prison. He also must pay $532,000 in restitution, plus forfeit an autographed painting of Patrick Mahomes. That last kicker. July last of kicker. last year is when all this stuff started to break about Chief Solik. Um, God, is he really going to get 50 years in jail, dude? 50 years? This is where we might need the listeners. Look, we th- this show would like a jailhouse interview with Chief Sahalik, in which he's allowed, certainly after he pleads guilty, to explain his story and how he got caught up in this life of crime. So 
look, other people are going to be trying to get at this man. But I think at some point, maybe a letter writing campaign. What do you think we're going to need to do to make sure that we can be a part a of this? A letter city? writing campaign? We need people to write him. Tell him that the only people you want to talk to in this city regards to this action is Cody and Gold. We can't. He's not going to just trust us in our word unless he happened to be a big listener ahead of time. And we don't know that. He's never confirmed whether or not he was a listener of 610 Sports Radio. After sentencing, maybe he'll be open to interviews. He's going to be someone that's behind bars that'll be more than willing, I'm sure, to talk. Now, we already know he tried to get money from the New York Times uh, eight months ago or whatever it was to do an interview, right? That was the report. So I don't know if it's going to be uh, – he might be looking for some paid opportunities. Paid? Might have to build up the show. for that but after it, you've pled guilty? Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't, do I know 100% no, but I'm like 70% sure yes. Can can you do that? Someone says you can write robberies a, is insane. That's a lot. There's no doubt about it. People write books behind bars. What's any difference? I just didn't know. I didn't know if you're allowed to profit off of your, like in some cases, right? They don't let you profit off your crime. Like if you that's create, more murder, isn't hey, it? Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say like, if you create those like that's for, that's. I mean, it's for, armed yeah. robbery. It's sure, not, no, man are, didn't shoplift. He's not writing a book I, about. I hear you. You know. He wasn't around like uh, floating checks in the nineties. I mean, he didn't. You know, I he committed you. armed robbery yeah, multiple well, times. Yeah, you know, someone at one point was like, "There's not any victims." Well, there absolutely are. There's long term impact to those that had a gun pointed in their face, uh, real or not, uh, while working as a bank teller. In retrospect, now that it, it appears to be coming to a close, what was your favorite part of the whole story? Was it when he escaped? Was it the initial thought? Was it when you, you know, like... Well, I don't, we, I don't think this is his final drive, right? That's what his attorney said. <laughs> his final drive. <laughs> was that what his, now that this story oh, seems to be wrapping up, what was your favorite moment of the Chiefsaholic saga, you know? Are you looking for his lawyer's comments? Yeah, if you want to find it, yeah. Oh, I can play those. Um, it, was a, it was a moment in which this is what the last thing we thought was going to happen. This is not Chiefsaholic's last drive. Yeah, there you go, last drive. And he believes, and we believe, that when the final whistle blows and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community, in the eyes of his fans, and in the eyes of the Chiefs' kingdom. He's going to be redeemed in the eyes of the Chiefs' Do you think he likes the stadium renovations? (laughs) you think he likes those? (laughs) Question one. Hey, man, what do you think about the stadium renovations? You know what? Stays true to the original Arrowhead. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for him, Chiefs of Halleck, Pro Stadium. Yeah, I, the fact that he pled guilty, probably so he doesn't get up to the 50 years. Uh, actually, get 50 years. What's your guess? 22. Oh, maybe that's how we can play this. You guys want to do like how oh, people gosh. guess like the birth date, and you get a you get to oh, guess geez. the number of years Chiefs of Halleck gets get a prize. I don't know if I feel good about doing. I'm that. not giving away a prize for it, but just to, for like bragging. So rights, you don't feel you know. good about that. I don't feel good about making it a contest. Uh, if uh, I'm just asking you the question. You said 22. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 15 to 17 years behind bars. 15 so to 17. Long years. freaking time. 11 robberies. 23. Someone says you can't make. I don't know if this is true. Someone Books says it to the prisoners themselves, but maybe there's a family member or something. I don't yeah. know. You can wrap the money. So also, would he come on this show for you know a certain amount in his commissary, perhaps? <laughs> Someone says they did what? federal prison time for similar crimes. He won't do anywhere near 50. They think they're going to get 15 at most, more, probably more around 10. Yeah, okay. I don't know how that works. We all know he's not getting 50, but I have, I have no idea. 22 is my guess. How uh, the sentencing uh, works. I wonder, Parole in 10. I would assume good behavior for a crime like that is uh, that is a possibility. You know, it's not like you're... Good behavior. No, no early Again, he's release. Serving <laughs> okay. 
I'm well, saying, no, no, yeah, no, maybe no. he behaves once he gets there. Maybe he's reformed. Like, you don't yeah, believe like, in the there, prison system? Is there an opportunity for earlier release than what you're than what he's sentenced Someone to? Someone says his I sentence guess. should just be until Mahomes retires. He has to miss the entire Mahomes Jeez. career behind bars. And then we we learn though from the free. little ESPN thirty for thirty type thing they did that he listens to one oh six five the wolf on a on an old radio in his jail cell. Can't get AM in there, huh? I'm sure you can. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure you can. Can't get AM. If you're listening, man, we'd like to have you on. I want to hear the real I want to hear the whole story. Not the real story. We know the real story. I want to hear the whole story. But guilty. He isn't even gonna ask for any money. He's gonna ask for you to get his painting back. I can't afford it. That painting's long gone. Uh, That's what he'll ask for. I'm just shocked the painting, like, where's the painting been this whole time? Is that actually in evidence, or does somebody else have know. it? I guess a family member had been holding on to it. I mean, they, it was a lot of money on that. The, it was $500,000 and had to give the painting back, so I don't think his life's getting easier. Yeah, the 500 grand's going to be tough to pay back while you're behind bars. just turns out it yeah. might be a little challenging. Cody. I think so. Up next, we'll get to what's trending back into the stadium conversation. What we heard from Clark Hunt and Mark Donovan about this $800 million renovation project. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending, and we'll dive into this a little bit more. You'll hear from Clark Hunt and Mark Donovan in just a couple of minutes, is that the Chiefs announced their plans for what they would like a renovation to look like at an arrowhead. The price tag, $800 million, $300 million of which the Hunt family has said they're willing to commit to, plus cost overruns. That means there's $500 million gap that has to be uh, contributed from the state or the city. Remember, the Three-eighths cent sales tax extension is just for uh, $350 million to the Chiefs. That would go f- mainly for the uh, upkeep uh, of, of Arrowhead. There is still money that would they believe they would have secured from the state. But uh, we'll talk about the renovation plans, what it had, what it didn't have, and what your thoughts are on that. Uh, and why are they doing an, a renovation instead of a new stadium? It's a big question we've gotten over and over. Uh, you'll hear Mark Donovan's answer to that in just a minute. Next up on Watch Trading and what might be described as the biggest advancement in modern medicine history kyle filipowski will play tonight for the duke blow devils after suffering wow. what the catastrophic ankle injury oh that man had the entire sports world ready to arrest every 20 year old that existed on the planet look obviously i'm being sarcastic he's gonna play he's not even gonna miss a game so for all the jay billis of the world that were like arrest all them kids for storming a court turns out everyone's fine he's gonna play tonight everything's okay Yes, work on your safety measures to get the players off the court. Mm-hmm. But it turns out it didn't matter. That's all. It just it didn't matter. Glad he's all right. Yeah, glad I'm glad. He's glad. Right. Like I mean, I want to be clearly, like, you're like you were joking, but also like, I'm glad he's not out for multiple games. Well, yes. that would be... I don't want somebody <laughs> to get hurt. Um, but the overreaction from Jay Billis suggesting to arrest students is absurd. Next up on what's trending, Marquez Valdez Scantling expected to be cut according to Jeremy Fowler. The Chiefs will do that. They'll save $12 million. They'll still have $2 million in dead cap. This was the expectation. But now that we get closer to the start of the league year, you'll start to hear more stories. Uh, the next question, I think, will be, do they cut Kadarius Tony? We shall see. But one wide receiver for sure is getting cut, and it's going to be MVS. And as we talked earlier in the show, with what he did in the Super Bowl in the postseason, at least the, the memory and the Send legacy of him nice. is much different. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a nicer way to end the legacy. And honestly, his last moment on a football field for the Chiefs ends up being a pretty cool one where he plants the flag at Allegiant. Next up on Watch Training, Kansas coach Lance Leipold gets yet another raise. He's going to go up to $7 million per year. This is according to... Travis Goff, they're saying it's Travis Goff's plan to just be more competitive from athletic 
salaries in general. They want to pay assistants more, the head coach more, and everyone across the board as they work on this new Memorial Stadium renovation. They're trying not to get priced out by the, honestly, let's just face it, the football programs have been way better at taking care of their people than Kansas had been to this point. But this is also because Lance Leipold's name has been mentioned 10 times out of the last 12 college football openings, including maybe five straight. It's this probably going to continue. They're going to have to pay. They, they, they had to pay him more he, because they want to keep him. Yeah. He's now top 20 highest paid coach, average salary in college football and all of college football, top three in the big 12. And it, you know, the buyout is still not like a number. That's crazy. If the right program, the big enough program, it wouldn't probably deter them, but he wants to see commitment from the from the athletic department and that's what they continue to show him the renovation being a huge part of that we know that's why they're going to play four games at arrowhead and they're going to play two out at children's mercy park this upcoming college football season thinking of college athletics college hoops last night ku lost at home to byu they blew a second half lead an ugly loss for them and byu has cemented themselves a nice spot in the ncaa tournament a rare home loss for bill self especially while leading in the second half mu tonight in action at 5.30 against the Florida Gators. Hadn't he won like 75 consecutive games going into halftime with the lead at Allen Fieldhouse or it something? Was something it, it was been 10 plus number. years or something. I, I thought it had been 10. I think it was years. 10 years. There was a couple stats like that. I, I don't have the exact one in front of me. There were a few stats like that out there. It's an incredibly mediocre Kansas team, to put it mildly. But also, they've only got five good players, and one of those five is hurt. The question is, will Kevin McCuller play for this team again this really? year? Himself is trying to set the bar very low on that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> That's what's trending here on Cody and Gold. All right, let's get back to the stadium renovation and project. We all are well aware, April 2nd, big day in Jackson County, election day, question one, yes or no, yes, extends the 3 8 cent sales tax extension and keeps the Chiefs and Royals in Kansas City. No, of course, jeopardizes all of that. Uh, and it was pretty clear from, from Clark Hunt earlier today uh, that – they, as an ownership group, are not prepared to cover the cost if the public money is not there. And so that's where if a no vote happens, you would everything would be on the table. You'd be talking about potentially Kansas being involved. Remember, the lease isn't up till 2031, but these aren't they don't wait till the year before the lease is up no. to start doing projects. Um, and why are they renovating versus a new stadium? It's a question you and I have brought up for the last year and a half, at least on the show. You and I both preferred a new stadium because committing, and now we know the dollar amount, $800 million to a 50-plus-year-old stadium has its limitations, especially when it's a 25-year lease. Um, But this is what Mark Donovan, Chiefs team president, had to say on why they decided renovation path versus a brand-new stadium. You know, when you're in those stadiums and you're talking about, should we build a new stadium, should we renovate Arrowhead, it's very easy to get jealous. And the jealousy comes from, could we actually do this? Can we do it in a new building? Can we do it at Arrowhead? One of the things that has me most excited about this entire project is that you sit on that field level of Allegiant Stadium and you look at that amazing end zone suite that they have and you say, wow, too bad we can't do that. We found a way to do that. And not only are we bringing the best of the newest buildings in the NFL, we're putting it inside the iconic Arrowhead Stadium. So as Clark said, we're keeping the spirit of this building and everything that makes it special, but we're bringing the very best of the best into the building. And that has us excited about what the next chapter will be. That concept itself will add 10 suites on each end zone. It'll also add another 1,000-person club behind each end zone. 
So the number of people who will be impacted by this is significant. So that was their answer for a while. Look, I, I, we've discussed the attachment that the Hunt family has to Arrowhead. I think it's a huge part of this equation, not to mention just the dollar amount in, sure. the, in, in, in the difference. How much more you um, would need. There are limitations when we're talking renovation versus a brand new stadium. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, I would agree, like there's not the wow factor with the renovation based off of renderings. Now, maybe when they're all done, you walk into Arrowhead and you're going to And I told you a big thing for me, it sounds weird, but like I wanted the brand new video boards. That's one thing that stands out. Every new stadium I've been to, the video boards are massive and the quality is insane compared to how small the ones are at Arrowhead. And in this renovation, they are going to have the same shape of a video board, but much, much bigger and obviously the highest resolution at the time that is possible. Um, But a lot of it is, you know, renovations to get it up closer to where some of the newer that's why it's a renovation and literally is why we call it that and uh, so I you know maybe you're upset that there wasn't a bunch of bars added to the outside of the stadium but I don't don't think that was ever part of this plan there the roof was never going to be part of the renovation just wasn't if it's just about it just I guess that's part of what it is I I obviously want the bars and all that stuff I've I've said that but do you look at all the stuff they're doing and be like whoo 800 mil? Well, I would say build a new stadium. That's like, what I want, but that's not yeah, happening. That, that would be my <laughs> choice, too, as you know. But I like I look at all this stuff, and I'm like, whew, 800 million? Like, part of me is like, wait, are you spending this wisely? But then what I'm realizing is, is that, look at, I, I've thought more about this, and some of the places in where they're putting tons of money, uh, ways to get into the building, like, they've made a huge big deal, like, look at this additional parking and these additional parking structures and the VIP entrances that will get you in there and the ride share area that's set up and these three new pedestrian bridges that are getting there. You know why that's how they're spending the money? Cause all that stuff works for the new stadium. They're going to build 25 years from now, all the money. So much, not all so much of like some big dollar sign stuff they're working on now works for the next stadium. They would hypothetically build and you and I both think they will. 25 years from now anyway. That's part of why I think it feels a bit underwhelming. Look, there are parts of this I like. I really like the way that they're treating the upper deck. for Because part of you just be like, if all they were doing is sweet, you'd be like, well, that's lame. But adding the heaters and the canopy and making it 360 at the top, adding more concessions and bathrooms, those are things that will improve my experience at Arrowhead, especially if I'm on the upper level. So there are parts of the functionality that I do like, and I understand this is just like displacing the crossroads business. If you've been a person who have had end zone seats in the second row for the entire time, you've been a season ticket holder. You are going to hate the end zone suites. Cause they just took away your spot. They took away your spot and they put it for people who wanted to, uh, you know, have more of a club atmosphere. I don't think it's going to be like the ones we looked at in Vegas, but there's end zone suites. Yeah. And look, we, I think any renovation, I think most people knew that, a chunk of that is going to go to premium seating options. That's just the reality yeah, of sure. where they can make more money and more revenue versus other areas. I mean, that was always going to be part of the updates to the suites. It's always kind of like a given uh, with any renovation, with any stadium, ballpark, arena, whatever it may be. And yeah, that is not going to impact the masses. What the, the, out of? I guess that's where we should break it down. What's actually impacting the most amount of fans? Because the the suites is still a select few that'll actually benefit from that so what is actually impacting out of a seventy thousand seat stadium what's benefiting 80 percent of the stadium parking uh the yeah the the, the parking deck oh, the, parking's back. the yeah the parking discussion oh boy uh the parking deck 
the concert stage, whatever they want to call it, canvas or yeah. canopy area with the artificial turf, kind of a family area that people can do some things there. The walkway is probably a safety thing more than anything else, other than it just looks better than what they currently have. And then if you're in the 300 level, which is you and I, I mean, I, I we've talked I've about this. Level that's where growing up, that was the first place I sat. I mean, my, that's where my parents' season tickets were, 300 level. And there really aren't much, there's not much of an amenity up there, right? But some of the upgrades they're trying to do, you actually will be able to walk a full oval, a full 360 versus go having to go downstairs and go back up. And if it's hot, they'll have this canopy area with, with this overhead fan area and heaters in the wintertime. Things like that are seem small, but those are upgrades that newer stadiums do have for their quote-unquote uh upper level seating, you know, whatever they for every fan, yeah, not for, just for the every end fan. zone suite, which yeah, most people can't afford. Yeah, and like the, so, there. It's I guess for me where I'm at is the reason why you asked me to give a grade on it earlier, and I said a B minus because I, it's going into it's a renovation. There's a lot of things I would like to have, but I recognize that they're limited in their own decision to renovate instead of build brand new. I, I the the brand new stadium is absolutely the path I would have preferred, but we've known for a while that was never their path. The only way the chiefs are building a new stadium within the next 25 years is if the vote failed somehow on April 2nd, and they're forced to pursue other options in Kansas or otherwise. But if they're staying in Jackson County in the, the next 25 year time frame, it's this renovation. This it, is their it plan. Was, it was going to be hard for the renovation to wow, because think about it in its premise. The overhead shot goal, all it looks like is, look, more parking. Okay, that just straight up, that's like one of the most boring things on the planet. You'd be like, hey, look at my taxes. You're like, pass. That sounds dumb. I don't want to do that. So more parking, more concrete to walk on. You're like, okay, again, not interested. Then they're like, look at the new stadium. And you're like, it looks exactly the same. The renovation, like the, the renderings, right? It's still the same football-shaped video board. So it doesn't inherently look different. But it's a ma- it's, it's three times like, bigger. They, it's three sure, times bigger. But a rendering is not going to make me feel that way. Correct. You know? Yeah. And so, so when you're looking at like just the images on the surface, the only thing that fundamentally looks different is inside of a larger parking lot where Kauffman Stadium used to be, is a turf field like I'm trying on shoes at Dick's. You know, like that's the that's the thing. That's why I think for a lot of people these renovations fell kind of flat. That was the big ticket thing to make it feel like your experience was different, and you're like. I mean, fine. I'm glad that it exists, but it doesn't feel like for 800 million, it feels like there should be something that's like, wow. And you come, and again, because it's renovations, you're not wrong that that was <laughs> never going to be the case. But the one I mean, they weren't adding another at, level to the top of Arrowhead. It wasn't going to be a 400 level. I mean, I just don't know. Like, there's, what, what about our <laughs> idea for an 800 million dollar Patrick Mahomes animatronic statue? I'm not you know? saying that. I, am I which, which one am I more excited for? The brand new ballpark or the ballpark or the renovated Arrow? Ballpark. Obviously, the ballpark. It's brand new. It's a brand new location. So of course, the renovation was never going to be the same feeling that I had about Kaufman. But I also just think I don't know expectations versus with what reality. people versus reality of what you had for for a renovation. Can I? Can I ask one question that I, cause I'll be honest, this is going to make me sound like the worst Kansas city. And I guess it turns out because okay. I didn't re- I didn't realize I'll just be, I'm in sports radio a long time now, maybe a decade. I've been in Kansas city my whole life. I didn't realize y'all loved those football shaped scoreboards so much. <laughs> I didn't realize that you were like, I want the football ones versus like, just like a big rectangle, like anything. I it just I, made it unique. It just I, made them unique. Nobody else had it. That's all it is. I didn't realize. And what I've realized now is it's like, the fountains or crown vision is to come. Cause like crown vision, I do kind of feel that way at Kaufman. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I didn't realize everyone felt the same way about those. I mean, it's just, an, it's just, I don't know. 
Maybe it wouldn't look like Arrowhead <laughs> if they didn't exist. I didn't realize it was as big of a I, thing until like 48 hours You're ago. accustomed to seeing it. I mean, if all of a sudden they took those away and they were just rectangular, long end zone video boards. But part of the reason why they did that shape, too, I think, is because the end zones are curved. You know, like most stadiums, yeah, are, they, yeah. they're, they're end zone. We've all seen the stadium. The end zone's curved. It's a little bit different. I'm guessing that's why that type of screen works. But their screens are, you know... Kind of crappy compared to what the rest of the league has yeah, had. They're smaller. And I'm I am excited to see much bigger video boards when you walk in that basically will like cast a shadow over the whole stadium, if you will. Someone As, said, could you imagine the clientele in the four hundred oh. level? You're proposed <laughs> four hundred level. That's what I was just joking, obviously. Blimps. Like, what did people expect? There wasn't gonna be, you know, a brand new level added to the stadium. As an outsider, as Cody labeled me earlier. <laughs> yeah, how about sure. that? Uh, I, I just meant you know, new As someone it. not from KC, maybe yeah. or something. Yeah, actually, I, a nice way to say no, it. No, I, I got what you meant. Uh, I actually kind of think the the whole curved end zone thing and the scoreboard actually is kind of cool because it's unique. Um, I, I do think, and I haven't been to Arrowhead, so I wouldn't know That's exactly. Right. We but still got okay. We got to get you out there next year. The the Bengals are playing here. Oh, I will be at that game. They I played promise. it this year, but it was Jake Browning. So, uh, correct. No, I was not. Choose. I was not going. Well, it could be Jake Browning again. You better <laughs> hope they play early in the season. Uh, yeah, it could be. Um, do they have anything? Like, is there like a, uh, I don't know if there's a Arrowhead, like a Chiefs Hall of Fame there inside. Is, yeah. yeah, there is. I, I, f- I wonder if there's a better way to not necessarily upgrade that, but, but, but celebrate Arrowhead for what it is with the area that Kaufman is going to be, you know, removed from. Is there a way that they could celebrate the Chiefs more or in a better way that would make it feel like a newer experience for fans who go there on a game day, I think, whether it be the restaurants and bar or whatever, or just a celebration of the Chiefs and, and all of that. Look, I, I don't think you're alone, but I, I'm guessing their argument is that that upgraded experience is in the parking lot is the concert <laughs> stage, is the yeah. artificial field that will allow fans to to throw the football around with their kids or whatever while they're tailgating, you know, and things like that. For the people and, who don't and, want to build their own and, tailgates. You know, yeah little like the most the smallest type of upgrade you know like they talk about permanent restrooms in the parking lot but honestly that's a nice welcome up it's it's a nice welcome upgrade for the porta potties in some areas like you know i mean that (laughs) sounds silly but like those are we call they are renovations not a brand new stadium i think also what what has been interesting to me to to see some of the reaction to it is for so many times whenever we brought up a brand new stadium we got a lot of pushback because people say, hey, there's yeah. nothing wrong with Arrowhead. We love Arrowhead. So then now today when I see a renovation and people are saying, well, it's not enough change. Which one Which one do you want? Do you want them to, to keep Arrowhead and just upgrade it? Or did you – that's where I'm confused a little bit today with some of the reaction is we've, we've talked so much about how people love the history of Arrowhead and what that means to them. And everybody's got a story about going to Arrowhead as a kid and maybe taking their kids for the first time. And it's and, – and I get it. There's an emotional attachment to the building, 100% with you. I, 100% with you. Of course. But – if that's what you loved about it, and that's why you didn't want a new stadium, then it's weird if some of you today are saying, well, they didn't change it enough. <laughs> like, what, 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 what did you want? Well, to, to Cody's point, to me, at least on the face of it, it seems like this is a more fan convenience sort of upgrade than it is. Yeah. We want Arrowhead, because the whole time they were talking, you know, Clark Hunt and, and Mark Donovan were talking about Arrowhead being this historic landmark. Like, I, I feel like as great as it is, there, there might have been a more creative way for people who are not from Kansas or never been to Kansas City before to come and see Arrowhead more than just, yeah, we should go to a game and be there. Is there something else that we can but, do to experience or feel Arrowhead? part of that Arrowhead? is what they admitted, which was yeah. investment in that area from those. Like, a, like let's just say, hey, yeah. we're going to do a little mini bar district full of 
local restaurants. We're going to have gates and jack stack. We're going to have this little like strip mall, right? Or like the container areas that we've had, you know, like the, that exist down by the Ferris area, whatever, like little restaurants and area. They straight up. I mean, not, not like they didn't put qualms on it. They straight up said it is not worth investing in infrastructure in that area. <laughs> so, I mean, and I don't, like, dis- hey, I mean, I, do I don't disagree. I that mean, area has had 50 years. Yeah, they had a long I time. I mean, that goes back to when we've discussed, I mean, there's, with a downtown ballpark, like people have wondered why they've they, why they can't just build the same hotels there because they've it hasn't happened in fifty years that area just hasn't just the way yeah. the city has grown fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it uh, that's just not where the city has grown. I do need one source. Does anybody in the city know if they're rebuilding the Denny's though? I think that's gone for good, Cody. What they're just gonna let the it die? Is, I think the Denny's is gone for. It good, had man. that kind of run, and they're I just think, never think, gonna rebuild the I, Denny's. I think the Denny's. We want to bring back Coco Key Water Park too. I mean, I think they're. Kinda, all, yeah. I think. I let's think. Get, let's get, I, I let's think, do it all, dude. I think they're all gone, man. Nostal- I, oh, so we're nostalgic <laughs> for some things, but not for others, huh? I think gonna keep football shaped, oval shaped <laughs> video boards, but no Grand Slam breakfast before the game. Fine. <laughs> I guess nothing's sacred in this world. I'm picturing Cody wanting when you pull into the Truman Sports Complex and the renovation that he wanted you to pull up to a car ramp and the car would like be grabbed <laughs> and placed in a parking spot later, like in, in like some some futuristic I swear to God, thing. I will say this: for as much money as they're asking for, and as big a deal as they made about the parking, <laughs> if 2030 me goes to a Chiefs game and it's still a hellish nightmare to leave, I'm gonna be pissed. Well, you know that's still happening. I'm you know be that's pissed. they're adding a parking deck and and parking. What are they? What was the phrase they used? Reimagined or something? The direction uh, that the car are facing or something yeah. like what, that is what convenient. I, I mean, they've tried a lot of things. I'm, I'm fully changing ex- the direction that your car's face. That's a whole new. I one. also just think, like going to stadiums across from like, if you go to a sold out event, you're probably not getting out there in five minutes. I mean, it's just kind of reality. No, but I'd like it to be smoother than not an hour. Now, not okay? an hour. I, my guess is that won't, that probably won't change. Text line says, rest in peace, Coco Key. That's right. <laughs> Coco Key Water Resort or whatever. They had like the high-pitched kid talking in the commercial. Anyway, Drew has no idea what I'm talking about. No, I do not. I'll play you an old commercial sometime. Thanks for hanging out with us. Crazy show today. A lot more to get into tomorrow that we didn't get to today in regards to LeJarius Need and Chris Jones. The Drive, coming up next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.